Till she was 16 months, this is Ian Watkins, the lead singer of <laughs> 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 Lost Prophets. <laughs> Honestly, at what? Well, on that note. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Cage Fight, the podcast that talks about pedophiles so much you might think it's true anon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is, like, episode, what, 22 now, I think? I think it's 21. Yeah. I think this episode is just old enough to drink. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Cage's very first movie appearance, and knowing uh, Cage's... What in the middle appearances? Uh, well, returning favorite. <laughs> yeah, uh, returning favorite, true. Um, and actually, you are correct. It's episode 22. So this episode is, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 20. Episode 22. This episode I is Michael Red approved. I should have had that cued. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, as always, um, I'm Jess. To the right of me is Mike. Mike is here. And Jokers to the left of me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and clowns. Uh, we got Jokers and clowns in here. Yeah. Um, for We're starting a Joaquin Phoenix podcast. People are looking around. They're damaged. I can't uh, believe they're I'm asking stuck in the middle with you people. They want to know how, how like, they the got fuck? these scars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, up on the boards, we got Dave. Uh, you. My name is Taylor. Once again, coming at you from, I think this is like the fifth episode. It's mm-hmm. fucked up. It's it's ridiculous. I can't believe you guys have allowed me to be on this many fucking episodes, to Yeah, be I mean. It's like episode five or six or something. Well, honestly, if you get canceled on Twitter, um, we'll have already recorded a bunch of episodes that we haven't put out yet. So th- we'll, we'll be supporting you uh, before we can fire you. Especially what we're going to mention on this episode. We're, I'm going to get fucking canceled oh. at some point. <laughs> Somebody's going to get canceled on this episode. I can tell you that. <laughs> Um, and we also have a very special guest. Yeah, he's, uh, super special, am I right? Come on. Uh, no, uh, my good friend, uh, and, um, movie nerd, Nathan Ferguson, uh, explain yourself. Hello. I'm the m- movie nerd that you just talked about. The yeah. number one movie nerd. Number one. Yeah, he's, that's, uh, that's number one. Hefty title. He's, uh, <laughs> he's been called the Anthony Fantano of, uh, cinema. Um, by wow. me just now. So <laughs> that's really fucking. I'm cool. really glad we could get someone like that on the show. Number yeah. One so I mean, <laughs> do you, do you, Nathan? Do you have a shaved head? Are you a melon? Do you have a yellow no, flannel? I'm actually doing the opposite since quarantine. I'm going the going the full. You know, my hair's almost to my shoulders now. You know, it's gonna oh, the full doing bush. quite the opposite here. Yeah, nice. full bush. Uh, Dave, the noise thing is happening. But Wait, what saying, was that? The noise thing that you were talking about that's happening. Ah, shit, is it? Mm-hmm. Hang on just a second here. But yeah, uh, we'll be able to cut that out in post so we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> just one second here. I'll get this figured out. Just give me one minute. Okay. Um, Sound like some Burzum production over here. It's <laughs> a lot of popcorn. Oh, oh, oh. Somebody's got their phone. That's <laughs> <laughs> like a UFO shit. Come on. I don't know if you can hear me, but... I guess I'll relay my message anyway. <laughs> this is a message to the G-Force gang. Uh, this is Mike from the future, by the way. Did I mention that? I, uh, this is Mike, and this is a message from the future. I live in a reality where Xandali has won the entire bracket. And since then, it has thrust society 
into civil war. <laughs> the end is nigh, and there is no stopping it for us. But there is still a chance for you, for there is one film, just one, that can beat Zandali. It is up to you now to prevent yourself from making the same mistake we did. It's Deadfall. Deadfall is the only movie that can win. And it totally, totally is better than Raising Arizona. There's just no question. So it's up to you to go back and change the results before it's too late. Oh, and also, uh, Lord of War totally kicks Snowden's ass. I mean, Snowden's a really good movie. It's, it's a pretty decent flick, I'm not gonna argue that, but it's just simply not a Cage film. I don't think there's really any question about that either. And, uh, I mean, hopefully I caught you before you watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Don't get me started on that one. Well, I have to go. I think they're coming. It's, uh, it's been nice talking to you, bros, and I just, I just hope you heed my warning for the good of society. <laughs> wow, that was strange. That was, that was really weird. <clears throat> that was. I put a gate on it. Um, was there? Can you still hear the noise? Uh, no, it's gone now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. I. Sorry about that. That was. There's something. Well, there was something buried in that noise. It was yeah. a weird transmission, and I. <sighs> I, I don't want to sound crazy, Jess, but I think I heard it too. I wasn't entirely sure. What, it sounded like it was almost like a message from the future or something. Yeah, it seemed a bit wordy, but uh, uh, yeah, well, it's chills me to my bones. <laughs> it sounds like uh, Mike <laughs> was talking to us from the future. Yeah, and he, but he's literally sitting right here. Though. I mean, it, it wasn't. Him. I mean, it might have been me. From Are you a the, fucking time traveler? Well, I mean, maybe in the future sounded, I am. It sounded like a much more gruff mic, though. It sounds like he'd, he'd really been through some shit. Yeah, yeah I think it's just the patch bay, guys. Yeah, I, I don't. I can't really explain much of that, but it sounds like we should probably uh, analyze some of the past results. Maybe we'll do that off pod. Um, but yeah, I think we need to rethink some stuff. It sounds like we'll do that in an actual cage, and we'll actually fight. Yeah, well, it did. Um, I don't know. I, I heard something about Deadfall, but that's been knocked out of the bracket already. As much yeah. as I did love that film. Perhaps yeah. we could, I don't know, swap it with some piece of shit that we don't want. That and I was going to say, almost justifiably so, it got knocked out of the bracket. I, I, I mean, I disagree, but I just feel like uh, if we're to turn the tides of uh, the future war uh, and the end of the world, we're probably going to have to. Yeah, it sounds like we're going to have to well, do some something about that. So, yeah, we'll talk about that later. I'm going to clean the patch bay tonight, and hopefully that shouldn't be a a problem in the future, and, you know. And you know what? That's the thing. How are we going to survive the future war if we don't have the Lord of War helping us out? Yeah, I mean, we definitely Good need point. to uh, get weapons from somebody. Well, don't so. worry. The NSA is watching everything, so they'll know and they'll use it to shut down terrorism, right, guys? Uh, I take great joy that somebody in the NSA has to transcribe every episode of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the the no strings attached will really help us out a lot. Yeah, so uh, fuck that guy, uh, whoever's listening. <laughs> the NSA are going to come over and fuck us, and they're not even going to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> not even gonna buy us breakfast baby <laughs> so uh i do find it interesting that that uh the the head of the g-force gang believes that the only movie that can beat it is not g-force but deadfall yeah i mean i guess maybe they tried that in the future i don't i can't speak for the future i don't know 
I don't know. I'm no Terminator or anything. I'm just a regular guy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're no Kyle Reese, so. Yeah. Yeah. This has got me shook. Well, talk about Deadfall and <laughs> fucking Terminator. Deadfall oh, yeah, versus. Fuck. Oh, yeah. The Beanster. Yeah, the Beanster. The, the flicking the Beanster. Yeah. yeah. Flicking that Beanster. Well, um, I'm, I'm a little worried about what's going on here because that kind of freaked me out, but I'm not going to let myself get too bogged down in this at the moment. Yeah, I refuse to even talk about it. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, it's, it's, it's only August, and I'm, I can't be truly spooked until October, so it's way too early for me. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, this was supposed to be it's our Halloween not, episode initially. Um, it's not quite spoopy season until, like, September. So Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, the school's just started. We're back at um, good old Ridgemont High, uh, oh, yeah. and so uh, Halloween is uh, coming up, and so is a Killer Segway. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be some fast times here as we talk about fast times at Ridgemont High, the first movie we're going to delve into today. So this one is rated R. Or, or really? Yeah. Are you sure about that? <laughs> I didn't have to look it up. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess it could be NC-17, but I doubt it. Um, it I thought oh maybe it was, it's in one of those early days where it's kind of like, you could kind of get away with a PG rating for like anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't for sure. As long as somebody's not getting eaten by a shark, it's like PG. Yeah, yeah back yeah. in the 80s, you could like say the word fuck once and then like, toss salad and it's still got a pg somehow <laughs> but you say fuck twice and then it gets rated r yeah i mean you don't want to say fuck too much uh but you can kill kids or do whatever you want to really well killing kids with parental guidance i think is probably the best way to do it yeah yeah well and yeah the, the parents know the best way to do it they'll guide your hand as you yeah and uh, <laughs> uh early plug for next week we're having uh, casey anthony on to uh talk about uh something so well, this one came out in 1982 it was directed by Amy Heckerling. The big yeah. heck. It's not something I normally mention, the writer, although I probably should start mentioning the writer, quite frankly. Um, but this was written by Cameron Crowe, I believe, yeah. which you'll Cam- probably have. Cam Crowe. Uh, uh, production he com- sucks. Oh, sorry. Sorry, what? Hmm? Nothing. Keep going. <laughs> production company is Refugee Films, and uh, runtime at 89 minutes. Budget of $5 million. Want to guess how much this movie made? Ooh. I'm going to guess it made... $30.50. Yeah, I'm going to say about $700 million. All right. All right. Thirty fifty one, Bob. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> the Jeopardy rule. Or not Jeopardy rule. The Price is Right rules on me. Fuck. Daily gets like got it. every time. God damn it. He's playing the game here, but $50 million, which oh, means shit. you're oh, closest shit. without going over, not Nathan. Um, and that was you, back in the early 80s, so that's probably like 150-some-odd million now or some shit. Uh, but you win a new dishwasher. and. Awesome. And it's uh, that makes Taylor, another cage so. movie in the black, which if I was smart, I would have the thing up already. Uh, and and, and not, I'm not stalling for time and not spoil um, it too much. But can we really call this a Nicolas Cage movie? 14 out of 42. And I don't know if we really can call this a cage movie. We, we got to talk about this up front, I think. A little yeah. Bit. Uh, so this is uh, not a Nicolas Cage movie. It does include his first uh, paid role, but uh, calling it a role is a bit of a stretch. He's it, literally I, the last person on the fucking like acting credits at the end of the film. Yeah. Does he even have a spoken line? He does not. No, he is I, in the so background. I thought. I thought that I, I looked this up, and I think that he has he does have one line because I think he's in the he's because he is one he's listed as Brad's bud that is his official title. Yeah, but I think that he is in the very beginning 
of whenever, not that, not in the mall sequence, but whenever they're all driving up to school. And he says, I think, from what I can tell, I think he says the cruising vessel in reference to Brad's car. I think that that is, I think that is him. Oh, shit. Oh, I didn't and, and, see him until the the burger flipping scene, and then again in well, the football that, game. That's like the clearest. That's obviously the, oh, the, the, the burger too? flipping is like the clearest part. I will but. say I noticed him a little earlier, but I won't spoil that too much because it's really very choice. And also, he's credited as Nicholas Coppola. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. this is before he picked Cage as his acting surname, based yeah. on Luke Cage. Fun fact that you'd know already if you listen to episode one, but don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, if you haven't, don't. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, um, so on Rotten Tomatoes, this got a seventy-eight percent from critics, eighty percent audience score. Oh wow, that's pretty equal. Holy shit! And we're we usually don't get stands, that. but that is pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, we usually don't get that close. It's usually like if if a film gets eighty percent by critics, it gets like fifty percent by audience, or vice versa. Right, because it's always yeah. very, very dif- disparate. Critics are pretentious <laughs> and uh, weird, like stupid. So, that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only good critic is Armand White. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, yeah, and um, um, the critic from the critic. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the nostalgia critic. He's not a good critic. Um, but Mike, do you have any trivia for us? Oh uh, yeah, I got some shits for you. Um, well, uh, so a little bit more on the director and writer, uh, Amy Heckerling also directed Clueless, uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation and a movie that we talked about recently, uh, I think on Mike, maybe, uh, Look Who's Talking, uh, our favorite baby talking movie. Uh, I don't remember why that came up, but I... Th- I don't remember talking about um, this. The best baby talking movie is Baby Genius. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, Look Who's Talking was kind of the predecessor. Um, oh, that. so it was like the originator of that whole amazing genre. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, but that's fair enough. I'll, I'll um, and as you mentioned, this is written by Cameron Crowe, who's the director of Jerry Maguire, Elizabeth Town, Vanilla Sky, We Bought a Zoo, Almost Famous say anything uh i actually just he got, directed we bought a zoo he directed we bought a zoo that's one of his most illustrious films now i will say i just got done watching uh all of his movies uh because uh, i've been listening to the blank check podcast uh who uh, you should i guess listen to that instead but uh um I, it was a it was a struggle for me uh i <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to get Cameron Crowe's lawyers on me right now, um, but he fucking sucks. I hate his movies. Uh, there's there's a couple good ones. That Do you hate him for the movies or for personal actions? Um, I guess the, the movies. I hate him for boring me. Uh, and, I mean, he's good with uh, uh, soundtracks, and, you know, he'll, like, have bands uh, co-starring or er, appearing in his movies. But other than that... Uh, Fucking, I'll beat his ass, dude. <laughs> you know, that's the thing about, you talk about soundtrack, right? Um, he actually has a band with four of his brothers, and they're called the Counting Crows. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's Cameron Crow, uh, Christopher Crow, Crow and the, Russell Crow, <laughs> and the racist crows from Dumbo or whatever. Um, <laughs> Song of the South, I think. A Song of the South, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so Cameron Crow. Chief uh, Sitting Crow, probably. He, uh, he really uh, made a name for himself after this, but um, he can probably fucking suck my dick. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Vanilla Sky was okay. Almost Famous had some redeeming stuff about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, putting my morning jacket in your movie will make me smile for one second. And then the script will just destroy me. Um, so, yeah, uh, fuck that guy. Uh, and <laughs> on to trivia. 
Um, so this movie was actually uh, initially given an X rating um, oh. because there was a scene where Mike Damone uh, does a full frontal. Uh, it was supposed to show like the vulnerability of teenage lovemaking or something. Hmm. Um, but they were told that they had to remove that or the carrot sucking scene. And so they removed <laughs> that. Um, and also the carrot sucking scene originally took place. Um, in a hot tub with both girls naked, uh, and that was also changed to avoid the X rating. Okay. I love eating. I love eating carrots in a hot tub. Oh it's yeah, one of my favorite pastimes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, honestly, what what's more erotic than eating a really hard, cold vegetable in a fucking hot tub? <laughs> yeah, and honestly, it just makes me think of that episode of Thousand Ways to Die, uh, where the girl fucks herself with a carrot and it kills her because uh, of like a bubble in her bloodstream or something. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not um, aware of. That one, or, the, or like the, the the one where the guy like tries to fucking get like a rim job from the the pool like uh, suction thing oh and it God. sucks out his intestines. Yeah, oh. both of those things are uh, almost as sexy as this movie, uh, <laughs> but this movie takes the freaking cake a little bit. Um, uh, just so, just barely though. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, as I mentioned, Nicolas Cage, uh, or this is his first paid role. Um, he actually was supposed to have a bigger part, but uh, he lied about his age. And when they found out he was only 17, um, he could not play. I think it was uh, Brad Hamilton, the Judge Reinhold character. Oh, okay. oh shit. I think Nick Cage would have been great as that fucking character. Yeah. Thus beginning the rivalry between Nick Cage and, <laughs> and Judge, Judge Reinhold, Reinhold that would <laughs> take place uh, even further in Zandali. Uh, yeah, Zandali oh. uh, really, uh, really ramps up that animosity between Judge Reinhold and Nicholas Cage. I'm so fucking excited to watch Zandali if that's uh, true. That. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the other man. Um, but actually, uh, Nicholas Cage is. Uh, uh, audition was apparently too dark, so yeah. I really, <laughs> I really would have loved to see. Like I'm just, I'm just picturing him like serious levels or, in the pirate outfit, wait, like punching himself in the head or something. Uh, but wait, 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 wait. Are you serious? I, apparently, his audition was very dark, um, and he was also 17. So they were like, uh, "I guess we're too scared to tell you to go away." But you can be Brad's butt. Well, and, and that's the thing. In uh, in his audition, he was wearing a, a hairpiece, and he was wearing a purple like like jacket and like <laughs> zebra pants, and he was humping a bed. Like yeah. that was the dark performance. <laughs> They're like, you know, that'll be good for another movie, but maybe not this one. And he also I, insinuated that he might have been mentally challenged, and that's in that yeah. dark scene. <laughs> If he's going dark for a high school movie, if like I don't know, he came out dressed like he was in the cure and was like, <laughs> he's, um, he's uh, for the audition, he's doing the jacking off in the bathroom scene, and he's like, why won't you fuck me? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, during the shooting of this film, Sean Penn got into character, uh, so hard that he would only be referred to as, uh, Spicoli. Refused to be referred to as anything else. Um, that, um yeah, cause that, that role really required intense method acting. Yeah, that role that he, uh, honestly, being on the cover of this movie and how famous I know that he is from being in this movie, I was expecting him to be in more than like five minutes of it, but yeah. I guess yeah, we'll get I, to that. I cannot believe that. Uh, and also to get into character, he extinguished a cigarette in the palm of his hand in order to better understand the character. <laughs> oh my fucking god. god. So that's either pretentious I, or super well, genius. You, you know what's funny is that he, he actually uh, did that to prep when he would do that to Madonna later on. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, uh, I think that was less prep for the character and more like prep for his future 
abusive being, marriage. Yeah, like <laughs> for a his domestic psychopath. violence borderline <laughs> attempted homicide incident. Yeah, with Madonna. So, uh, not really a laid back stoner kind of thing, because uh, um, I mean. Last thing you want to do is burn your hand when you're uh, freaking trying to sync up Dark Side of the Moon to Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? So the, Leonardo DiCaprio um, from Django Unchained wish he was as edgy as Sean Penn was. Oh yeah, when he smashed his hand. Yeah, smashed his hand with the glass. Also, um, I heard that uh, his role in Django Unchained didn't have uh, any N words in the script. He added that all himself. <laughs> oh shit! Really? Yeah. Um, Damn. He was playing a lot of video games at that point. <laughs> he just kept losing. <laughs> Uh, what I got here? The mall scenes <laughs> were shot at a mall after it closed. Um, so because of labor uh, laws, the children who were like buying the tickets from Damone had a 10 minute window to shoot their scene um, oh, because of the time of day. And I guess <laughs> that probably would have applied to Nicolas Cage, too, because he was technically underage. So, so, so my question is, they do 10 minutes because that's how long it takes to fully molest a child because how the producers love oh, doing that. that. I mean, they probably started that before the mall closed. Hey, kid, get over here. We're going to an abandoned mall. We got, ten, we got legally 10 minutes to molest you. <laughs> The 10 minutes was just for them to shoot, and then the rest of they actually were on set for six hours. The rest of that was the molesting part. Yeah, <laughs> ten, really 10 minutes to for the kids to shoot, and then all the time after that for the director to shoot. Uh, <laughs> yes. It was funny, before they refurbished that closed mall, the only thing that was in there was a solitary leather, fake leather couch in the middle of the mall. Just, just one leather couch. <laughs> um, God. I, I only got a couple more here. Uh... Uh, the, this film has three actors who later won uh, Best Actor, uh, Sean Penn, Forrest Whitaker, and, and Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage! Yeah, girl! Yeah. And uh, the screenwriter, uh, Black Crow, uh, went on to also win an Oscar. Um, uh, Spicoli's dream sequence was added to the movie uh, after the fact uh, because they really liked Sean Penn and, as I said, is not in any of the movie oh, That at makes all. sense because it didn't... It didn't make any sense. Uh, no yeah. um, and my final piece of trivia is maybe the best piece of trivia I've ever discovered um, for this show. So brace okay, yourself. So, so so better than Max Bemis from fucking Raising Arizona on the poster. Oh yeah, that that was my personal favorite, and I doubt it'll top it. But. Well, hold on to your butts, buddies, because right. according to the Tampa Bay Times, Linda's nude scene was voted top nude scene of all time by Mr. Skin. Oh, so you could the authority itself. If Mr. Skin wasn't enough of an authority, uh, the Tampa Bay Times <laughs> is the one quoted for uh, making. The, I mean, I'm sure. What the fuck was that reported on in a newspaper? <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck runs this newspaper? Whenever. <laughs> I was a teenager and I was looking up those really raunchy movies. I was like, oh, where, where, how do I know where it's at? I, I went straight to the Tampa Bay Times every time. <laughs> Tampa uh, Bay Times. Is. That's, uh, yeah, I, I could never remember the link for Mr. Skin, so I'd have to go to the Tampa Bay Times <laughs> website uh, and then click on it. You know, what's always funny is that whenever, whenever I f wanted to find some really choice nude scenes, I literally drove all the way down to Tampa, Tampa <laughs> Bay so I could get the newspaper and then immediately drive back to Green Bay oh, and read it. Ship to you. <laughs> I've been doing that for years. My, uh, why, why don't you get it from the fucking source, though? Come on. Oh, fair my point. family went to Disney World, and I snuck off and went to Tampa Bay to uh, find the original Mr. Skin Link. Uh, so. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Skin Link sounds like... Uh, <laughs> 
That sounds like a weird sex act you find. It sounds like what they call like a skin tag on your dick. It's like a Jimmy Dean sausage link, but it's a mustard it's skin. Got a, it's got a bubble sausage on Yeah. <laughs> so uh, good movie, great movie. I loved it. Uh, is that all the trivia you have? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's one thing that I saw in my research that you didn't mention, which was that Cameron Crowe apparently wrote this movie after going undercover as a high schooler at the age of 26. <laughs> yeah, why, why would Cameron Crowe go undercover in a high school, especially knowing he wrote this movie? I wonder why that might be. He, he went undercover at a high school, and they were uh, reasonably um, nervous when he asked to do that. And then, uh, because so he, he, Cameron Crowe got his start as a writer for Rolling Stone. Okay. Um, and when he proposed the idea uh, to the principal or whatever of the school that he was going to, like, uh, molest all these kids... Um, <laughs> He was like, uh, yeah, I've met all these cool bands, and I can't remember what band it was uh, exactly that he mentioned, but he's, he's, he met some band that the guy at the school liked, and so they allowed him to go undercover. What was it, um, Lost Prophets? Is it, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, oh no, he just, he really liked um, the uh, Bill Cosby comedy album, uh, Lickin' My Puddin' Pop. <laughs> and you know, um, that's the thing you might not know too is that uh, Cameron Crowe went undercover. He had a blonde mustache and like kind of like a blonde bowl cut. And every time they would ask, uh, "What's your favorite thing about high school girls?" is that <laughs> I get older and they stay the same age. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, basically, um, he loves kids. Uh, <laughs> and, and based on based on what this movie ended up being. I'm I'm very interested to see that that's what he took out of his whole year of being in high school. That this is what he thought was the most toy stuff that needed to be in a movie. <laughs> he he hung out with high schoolers for a year and then wrote a fanfic about them like fucking each other. Yeah, and a little fucking creepy. Now More that I think about it, uh, and not to get too into it, but uh, there's a scene where one of the characters who's in high school has sex with a 26-year-old man yep. who is for sure the Cameron Crowe surrogate of the movie, right? Fucking absolutely. Because, oh, like, yeah. I looked it up, and I think he was, like, 26 at the time. Oh, this. my fucking God! <laughs> or maybe That's... the numbers are, like, blaring. All right, let, let, let's not spoil it too much. Let's get into the fucking plot, because, like, I we have to talk about that whole thing in depth when, it gets, when we get to that point. All right, moving out of the plot summary, it opens with, like, a montage of High schoolers hanging out in a mall, just doing things. Uh, there's a, some kids talking to a guy scalping Van Halen tickets. Uh, this guy will come to learn is Mike Damone. Well, you talk about scalping uh, Van Halen tickets. I wish in real life that they would have scalped Eddie Van Halen for what he did to Fred Durst. <laughs> hey, that's not for years after this point, okay? I know, still but he still deserved it. They got David Lee Roth still. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Eddie Van Halen. That red, that stupid red fucking cap of his, as he said, is actually really fucking cool, okay? <laughs> also, he says he wants $20 for something in the first 10 rows, and the kids get upset because they were... They were twelve fifty, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Van Halen at this time is a huge band. No, concert like, tickets were cheap as shit back then. Like, oh yeah, you see tickets fuck from like Led Zeppelin, they were like seven dollars, and I'm like, that would never fucking happen nowadays. Yeah, fuck you, Ticketmaster. I wish I could go back to this time. I love Ticketmaster. You're, you're a late wrong generation person, but just for concert tickets. Yeah, just for the price, just to get <laughs> escape inflation. <laughs> like, well, even inflation doesn't count for it. I I did the calculations myself. But I've um, done the math. And <laughs> so there's three waitresses working at a restaurant in the mall who are all gawking over a guy uh, that walked in that they all think is super hot. 
Uh, I'm just going to say, frankly, the, the I don't 26 see it. 26-year-old, right? Yes, he is a 26-year-old yeah. guy. Uh, frankly, I don't think he's that hot. <laughs> no, he's really not. He's not hot, and his opening line uh, is... Uh, working hard or hardly working, uh, yeah. and he pauses uh, to wait for <laughs> praise after it. So, <laughs> but um, the guy is twenty six, and the waitress, whose name is Stacy, tells him that she is nineteen. She is in fact fifteen. We find out later, uh, but he asks for her number, which even twenty six nineteen is a little sketchy to me. It, like, it's yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone is able to make decisions at that point, but. Um, I, all I'm saying is I'm 26 and I'm not looking to date 19 year olds right now. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, definitely wouldn't. But yeah, like afterwards, Stacy goes and talks to her friend, which is Linda. Am I remembering yeah. that correctly? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, it's revealed that she's actually 15. And she lied, but she got that guy's number, and they're gonna go out. Uh, then we see Sean Penn and two other dudes hanging out in another mall restaurant, a burger joint, where. Brad works. Um, yeah, they walk into the restaurant and immediately take off their shirts and then sit down and get comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so It was strange. the 80s. It was a different time, okay? Not everyone was self-conscious <laughs> about their moobs like they are now. I can understand walking in and not having had a shirt on, but to <laughs> walk in and then take off yeah. your shirt. They're like, can we get a table? That rule. What, what is this, a, a rural gas station? Like, you don't go to a place to immediately take off your shirt. Can we like, get a table? This shirt is fucking killing me. <laughs> but yeah. Um, <laughs> Was he Randy from Trailer Park Boys? <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they are told to put on their shirts by uh, a sign that said, no shirt, no shoes, no dice. No dice. <laughs> and you, you know you know who that restaurant uh, who put that sign up was Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he actually took his shirt off. <laughs> After that, we see, like, a bit of a montage around the high school. Um, Sean Penn and the other dudes are rolling out of a VW bus with a bunch of smoke rolling behind them because, uh, you know, they're they're stoners. I really couldn't tell. It, it wasn't really obvious to me. I was like, I don't, what is, what's their deal, man? I just couldn't get it. You yeah. know, honestly, I thought it was on fire, and I was like, why aren't you guys getting out of the van a little quicker? Like, you guys are going to fucking die. Yeah. I don't know. That guy seemed like a real airhead. Maybe it just, you know, he, he didn't quite get it. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense. I mean, this was uh, maybe established those tropes. So in 1982, people thought the van really was on fire, and they uh, talk like that because uh, they had fetal uh, alcohol syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if this movie kind of established those tropes, but... I assume, I mean, he is like a SoCal surfer dude type thing where he goes like, yeah. dude. <laughs> I assumed that was that was actually established in Reefer Madness. I thought that all every every weed trope was established in that movie and everyone else is just copying that. Oh, yeah. no, I've never totally seen fair. the movie, but I, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely mad off the Reefer. I can tell you that right now. Really? Yeah. I would have never fucking guessed. It was but, a very subtle performance. Uh, apparently, they were initially only going to release this movie like on the West Coast because they thought like East Coast people wouldn't get it. Hmm. Uh, it's a very like, subversive film for the different reasons that they might think it's subversive. Damn, what's a surfer dude? Is that like a fucking uh, trap fisherman or something? Yeah. What? What is? I don't. I don't have the comparison to mm -hmm. make. So Brad, uh, who will come to know, is Judge Reinhold. Um, he. Rolls up in like a luxury sedan. It's a like a four door Buick LeSabre that's like powder blue. And he's like, ah, it's just six more payments and this baby's all mine. And he's like, he works at a burger place and he's going to get another kid a job there. He's on top of the world. As he calls himself, he's a very successful dude as a high schooler 
who has a job at a burger joint. I don't know if this well, is just like here's the, what you have to understand though. The minimum wage back then was like three dollars, which is like twenty three fifty. It is today. the equivalent of quite a bit more nowadays. That's <laughs> so true. like that that job literally could have sustained a family. <laughs> like so no, honestly for for him being a high school student and for like management, honestly he probably could have like bought a house back then. So not. Yeah, I don't know it. about an eighty two, but. Um, I mean, maybe maybe like five years earlier, but like still in the early 80s, if you had a fast food job in high school, you were you were still making bank in comparison to a high schooler on fucking fast food wage nowadays. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. If you found a ten dollar bill on the ground, you could fucking buy a house and go see Black Sabbath. Uh, (laughs) If you found fifteen dollars on the ground, you could have seen Van Halen for the original ticket prices before scalping (laughs) and had been in uh, could have bought a couple sodas at the fucking stand. Um, We also see. Mr. Hand, is that his name? Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry, yeah. just just before you missed it, so the, the scene where they're all, like, intermingling on the front, and there's a guy that has a sign that says, I'm a homo on the back of it. Did I you did notice that? I not see that. Yeah. So there's, like, a blink-and-you-miss-it thing, but there's like, a, there's, like, a person who puts a I am a homo sign on the back of someone's, like, back. That's Nick Cage who did that. I had to rewind it several times to make sure. Oh, really? Yeah, and honestly, that's Nick Cage's very first showing in a movie, and he's being extremely homophobic. And a bully. <laughs> What? Yeah, what happened to kick me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a homo? Come on, Nick Cage, do fucking better than that. And we've seen plenty well, of Nick Cage movies. saying we're all human. Yeah. I am yeah, a homo, homo. sapiens. Well, that's the, we, we've never seen Nick Cage be in a bigoted movie ever. So oh, that never. Was a, it was no. a huge, that's true. huge shocker. Very out of uh, character for him. And you also mentioned Mr. Hands, right? Um, so remember... Some, <laughs> the Herbie and, Hancock album. But, no, I was going to say at the very end of the movie, no, no spoilers, but they have like a, oh, this is what they did afterwards thing. Well, Mr. Hand in real life, he uh, he later got fucked to death by a horse in Washington State. What? <laughs> oh, you don't know Mr. Hands? Oh, Miss. Oh, Mr. <laughs> Hand. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, yeah, he later got fucked to death by a horse <laughs> in Washington State. Bet you didn't know that, folks. His uh, daughter moved to Eau Claire. Uh <laughs> And her name is Whitney, Wisconsin. Yeah, so uh, uh, so for our listeners, do not look up Mr. Hand's uh, horse. Do not look up Mr. Hand's horse on yeah, Google after the yeah, end Yeah, don't of this bother episode. looking it up. I'll tweet it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, I mean, it's, it's a borderline snuff film because he died like two hours after that Oh, video. my God. <laughs> that's that's eight millimeters based off of. No, I'm more like eight meters. Did you see that <laughs> horse tick? I've seen Jackass 2, if that counts. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but <laughs> moving on from this, uh, the Mr. Hand is kind of like a douchebag authoritarian teacher who's going to end up having a bit of a rivalry with Sean Penn. And basically, Sean Penn's only plot line in this movie, which has no relation to any of the rest of the plot lines. It, it, it should tell movie. you how out of high school I am that I actually liked Mr. Hand as a character. <laughs> I actually, he was one of my favorite characters in the whole movie. He's fucking awesome. He's so cool. <laughs> He's a no bullshit kind of guy. And you know what? I don't want to put up with this fucking guy's antics either. He's showing up late to my class, and uh, it smells like shit. And then after school, he's beating up Madonna. He tied her to a chair and shit. Like, fuck this loser. I don't don't care about him. So Mr. Hand is cool as shit. Uh, But then we meet Mark, who is a a shy dude, and says that he's... Oh, wait, no. Sorry. Missed something. Mm. Oh, fuck. The carrot scene. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hold on. Let me get my Why would you want to miss the carrot scene? (laughs) Um, yeah, so then we see at lunch Stacy and her friend Linda, the two waitresses. Um, Stacy's the one who got the 26-year-old guy's number. She's talking about how she wants to, you know, she she's nervous. She hasn't had sex yet, but she's thinking about having sex with this 26-year-old dude. And Linda apparently also 
has an older boyfriend who's outside of high school. We never see him or hear his age. Yeah, she's but. basically the expert of like any sexual questions that uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Linda is it might have. Stacy. Uh, Stacy. Sorry. Yeah, Linda. Yeah. Is, Linda, yeah. Linda knows all about sex, and Stacy is uh, about to figure it out. Yeah. So. But uh, Linda teaches her how to give a blowjob at lunch with a carrot, and then some boys at a table see it, and they all clap. Um, yeah, because honestly, how do you not get turned down by just watching somebody just eating vegetables? <laughs> um, but I, then, whenever I saw you eat a banana, I was getting a little chub. I'll be honest. Hey, that's a fruit. So, <laughs> I talk about fruits over here, man. They were eating entire carrots. That these were large carrots. They were not just like eating baby carrots at oh, lunch. Oh yeah, well, yeah. They you were know, entire carrots. You know, my favorite my favorite lunch food is large entire carrots. That's when when Brian Singer was undercover in high school. He was the one eating baby carrots in front of the <laughs> other the other students. Yeah, that's that's what he was into. But they wanted the men watching this movie to get their, pe- their to picture their penises getting sucked, uh, mm-hmm. and so they just they got the biggest carrot they could. Uh, and you know how sometimes you just sit at the lunch table and just fucking pull out your peeler and yak away at the fucking <laughs> carrot and yeah. Sometimes when mom wouldn't get the carrots, sometimes she'd give me an entire potato, just an <laughs> unbaked potato. I'd also have to get the peeler out, just really start gnawing on it. Really, some subtle messages about poverty in this film. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, um, it's a very socially conscious film, folks. Um, but then afterwards, we are introduced to Mark, who's a very shy dude, and says that he's in love with Stacy, who is in his biology class with him. And Mike, who was the, the scalper ticket man before, uh, gives him some advice on how to get her, and it's basically like, play it cool. Act like you don't need her, you know? Yeah, he gives her the, the dentist system of <laughs> how to seduce women, basically. And also, so he's like, they're... Uh, Mike and Mark, well, Mark, sorry, Mike is called, no, Mark is called the rat. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he's Mark Ratner, so he calls him Rat. Yeah, yeah. so. Wait, uh, Rhett Ratner's brother was in this movie? Rat and Mike are the, uh, Linda and Stacy, uh, parallel, and so Mike is somehow the quote-unquote experienced one, uh, though the, the viewer can tell that he's a kind of a loser. Yeah. <laughs> but he comes off as this cool guy who's who, like knows how to seduce women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after that we see Stacy sneak out late at night and meet up with that 26-year-old dude. He takes her to a baseball dugout. Yeah, baseball dugout. I'm like I honestly thought it I'm like which, am I am I going to watch an actual rape and not just a statutory rape? Which didn't they call it like the point or something? I think that's what yeah. they, they Wait, so is that actually the point or did he did he just take her to the to the dugout, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know of that. Why would you call that a point? I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, is that, I don't know if that was a was that a spot where other high schoolers uh, frequently went to make criminals out of people. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But also for a guy who's 26 years old taking someone on a first date to a fucking baseball dugout, it sure kind of tells me that I feel like he knows she's not 19. Yeah. And, and like, also, I'm That's sorry. 
The dude's got a really nice. You think dude's got a really nice car, by the way, in this movie. It's kind of cool. Uh, my thing is, could you have not have like afforded a hotel room or something? Like, go to a, a fucking dug. If you're having public sex, a dugout is one of the worst fucking places to have it. It's not only barely public, but it's also like really uncomfortable looking. Well, he wanted to go somewhere without cameras. Uh, <laughs> he wanted no record of their activity together. <laughs> And he'll tell he'll tell her this this is our little secret. Don't tell any of your family or friends about it. Uh-oh. And I'll, I will deny all of this. And so yeah, they, they have sex. And my whole thing about it is so first off, this movie also has another really problematic take that we already didn't mention. Fifteen uh, year olds don't facilitate their own statutory rapes. That's not how that works. Uh, yeah. Like when does that ever happen? When does it ever happen? When does a fifteen-year-old ever, on her own volition, seduce a twenty-six-year-old man? Yeah, you can tell this was written by a man because he doesn't have to pressure her at all. Uh, She's the pursuer. Since when? This naive girl who can who barely knows about sex seduces a mid-twenties man. What the fuck? Yeah. uh, And, I mean, this is just the start of them, like, showing the naked bodies of people who are supposed to be underage. Uh, and I looked it up. They're all 18. They're all barely 18. They're, they're all shot. barely legal. Uh <laughs> But they're also supposed to be playing children. Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. certifiably. It's not like 17 and 9. No, they're 15, 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, definitely um, the most problematic erection uh, that a lot of people have had. <laughs> oh. And honestly, I, I don't think I would have quite understood this scene had had they not been nude. Like, I think that's really what cemented it for me. You know, yeah, I think I, I just it, it didn't click with me until I was like, until the clothes started coming off. And I could see it. I was like, there you go. Yeah. That's it. Until we saw her nipples, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, and I'm still a little confused. I hope the director's cut has some full penetration, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely essential. This this movie's like so borderline. I feel like anyone who owns a copy of it on DVD or Blu-ray should be on a fucking list. Like it is I, pretty sus, dude. Going through the reviews for this movie, I was like, uh, I was I was very worried about a lot of people. Um, <laughs> But I guess we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get yeah. to the reviews. This, but yeah. this aspect made me pretty uncomfortable. But yeah, um, it's not great. <laughs> then we see Brad, the guy who had the the saber before and the burger job. He apparently wants to break up with his girlfriend because he wants to be free. On his senior year of high school, he's a successful dude. Yeah. And he's just got to go out and get him some different boon. Yeah, he wants and, to spray his juices all over the place. <clears throat> Understandably um, so. Then I have a note that I don't know what I wrote this in relation to, but I just wrote, Sean Penn is funny, dumb stoner man. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely uh, funny. I think Very funny. if that's not the tagline <laughs> for this movie, it should be. <laughs> um, so then Mike convinces Rat, Mark, you know, to, to go ask Stacy out. Mark works at like the movie theater that is right across the plaza or whatever the fuck from the pizza place where Stacy works. And it walks over there and just kind of, kind of smoothly asks for a number. It uh, could have gone know. a lot worse. Yeah, it could have gone a lot worse. But um, then uh, back to Brad at the burger joint. He has a fight with some really exceptionally bad acting. I feel with a customer. Uh, That's the scene where I noticed Nicholas Cage. Yes, this is yes. the scene with Nicholas Cage. We should note he is in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and they like pan. Uh, like they sh- they stop on him for a second, 
like it, and it felt weird maybe it just it, it, in retrospect because it's like look who it is mm-hmm. but I, I don't know it just seemed weird because I thought at some point he was gonna like come around the counter and talk or something yeah I thought he had a much bigger role than this um I guess I should have researched it more. And you know, but. that's the thing is that uh, there's actually a cut scene where he's seeing uh, Judge Reinhold's character get yelled at. And he goes, yelling at him will bring back your goddamn refund. <laughs> <laughs> they really should have that. <laughs> but they thought it was just a little too dark. Yeah. yeah, that was that was the I mean, honestly, uh, it seems weird that they would take something out of this movie for being too dark uh, because yeah. they have no problem with uh, a lot of stuff that I find kind of dark. So. <laughs> yeah, way darker than whatever Nick Cage did, I guarantee it. Um, but yeah, uh, there's a customer that comes up and demands a refund because it is not the best breakfast he's ever had. Um, and apparently he's a frequent customer here, so I don't know why this guy is being such a prick, but he is being a prick. The customer cannot deliver his lines for the life of him, I feel like. He does not sound yeah. committed. But um, but Brad, you know, gets into it with the guy, and he gets fired because of it. And then... Um, the, the guy looks so fucking smug and happy about getting a guy fired over a $2.50 breakfast. Or, like, $2.75. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, pocket change and... Uh, well, I guess at this time you could buy three cards for that price, but... <laughs> It's still he he was way too excited about getting that poor kid fucking fired from his job. Yeah. And that's the thing you, you don't understand is that 275 you literally could have bought three houses back then. Yeah, I mean, you could have fucking traded them for a hotel probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh so then he goes and talks to his girlfriend about how he really needs her right now. He's really down and she's like, "I think we should see other people cuz like, you know, it's our senior year. We don't want to be tied down. We're <laughs> successful people." She she <laughs> gives him the speech that he was just practicing in in the bathroom yeah. uh, <laughs> before getting fired. Uh, Judge Reinhold in every movie I've seen him in, love issues. God, poor guy. Um, he's such a dork. Mm-hmm. He's fucking... Does he play John Arbuckle? Because he's literally John Arbuckle. <laughs> well, you know, his name is Judge. You think he'd be a better judge of the people he dates. Yeah, well, I think now he's, uh, he's uh, Supreme Court Justice Reinhold, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, did you watch the rest of Development? That's who's Judge gonna replace, uh, <laughs> That's right. RBG. Yeah. Um... Mike uh, continues to give advice to Mark. Not our Mike. Mike the Moan, the smooth talking ticket. Yeah. Mike was yelling at the TV the entire time he was watching. <laughs> that's <this>. me. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm trying to have sex over here. I want to give some freaking tail. <laughs> but uh, he continues to give advice to Mark, including uh, at a restaurant, order for the woman. It's a classy move. And when you're making out, put on side one of Zeppelin Four. I remember this. <laughs> and, Cuts um, to the car. <laughs> yeah, immediately after that, it cuts to the car where uh, Cashmere by Led Zeppelin is playing, which I would like to point out is on side two of Physical Graffiti. And that's just the foreplay part. Could they not afford any like the licensing of any songs from Led Zeppelin 4? <laughs> yeah, we tried to get going to California, but it uh, wasn't in the budget. <laughs> <laughs> but they could, uh, they could license Cashmere, but not that song. <laughs> Mark is taking Stacy to the restaurant, and when he gets there, he realizes he forgot his wallet at home. So he goes to a payphone and calls Mike and asks him to bring it to him. Uh, in return, how do you pay Mike for the says, payphone? Oh yeah, how the fuck did he pay for the payphone? Honestly, um, that's why they call him the Rat. <laughs> he, did, he did the thing where he calls and and he has to say his name, and he and he calls and says, "Please bring me my wallet really quick. I need it right now. Thank you." <laughs> <laughs> They called him a rat because he was scrounging around for change, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
And Mike, uh, Mike says, yeah, all right, but you'll owe me big for this one. And then uh, when they're driving back, it seems that someone broke into his car and stole his tape deck. I feel like it's implying that Mike did that in exchange for fucking bringing him the wallet. I don't even remember that part. I, yeah, I did not catch that. I, I, I did see that. I think that's what's implied. So, Mike, great friend from the start. You know? He's such a cool fucking guy. <laughs> Honestly. No um, wonder why he's slaying Tang all the time. Mark and Stacy go into Stacy's home, and her parents aren't there. They're out of town, and they start making out, but Mark kind of backs out nervously before they go all the way. She she pressures him a bit too much, and he gets nervous. Mm-hmm. And she, like, I'm, I'm all for sexually aggressive women, but not for sexually aggressive children, so this movie was not for me. <laughs> And uh, she takes it as uh, a rejection, uh, even though she likes him and he's still quite smitten. So, yeah. But even she needs it, sex. If it's not sex, it's nothing. That's, she, that's the way she... She needs it right fucking now mm-hmm. from who the fuck ever. Listen, she's, she's got a whap right now. <laughs> she, <laughs> <laughs> Macaroni in a pot. Somebody oh. get the fucking bucket and the mop because <laughs> Stacy's in town. Hey, listen, if you have if you need a bucket and a mop because you're so aroused, you might want to go to the doctor. Oh, is Ben Shapiro <laughs> here right now? Yes, I am. And frankly, I think that um, um, I think Fast Times at Ridgemont High is is uh, classic cinema. Mm. Yeah, and I, uh, he, I believe uh, you asked your wife uh, what would cause a wet ass pussy, and she said, uh, "Why don't you fuck me?" <laughs> so and you know what I do for thirty seconds. That's all she needs. Okay, I'm trying to produce children here, not produce and come. I'm like, I'm like Mike Damone. One fucking thrust in the pool house, and I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But oh, uh, so sorry, Ben. We'll get to that. So uh, Sean Penn and another kid are uh, are driving around, uh, smoking, and it's the the other kid. It's apparently his brother's car that they're in. His brother, who is played by a very young Forrest Whitaker, who oh, is yeah. the oh, like, he still looks thirty. He still looks thirty. I, at first, I thought he was like a former football player from the school that became the coach or something. Because I was like, this dude is eight feet tall and looks thirty. In real life, I looked it up. He was like nineteen when this movie was made. Really, he does not look nineteen, twenty Damn. years old. And this was like his second movie ever. That's crazy. Yeah, he um, was very young, and yeah, he's apparently the the star of the football team. Which I makes sense. He's fucking gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> I do um, want to point out a particular line in this movie where they're talking about Playboy and um, while they're driving around in this car pretty recklessly. And uh, then the line, I like sex. <laughs> which, which is spoken. I, I, okay. I like sex. I, 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 I like a sex. <laughs> you think Bor, think Bor, I watch this movie and be like, it's America. And in America, they like a sex. <laughs> They smoke a joint in the car and they get the sex. Yeah. But um, all the girls who get naked are under 80. <laughs> so uh, after this, Sean Penn absolutely wrecks the car. And his friend who's in there is like, this is my brother's car. What the fuck are we going to do? And um, Sean Penn has a plan. So in order to get out of admitting they trashed it, they tag it to make it look like the rival high school did it. Classic. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of really genius if you didn't notice that there were obvious, like, car accident marks (laughs) on it. (laughs) Also, uh, how the fuck did they get it out of there? I mean, it was, I don't know, maybe it wasn't that (laughs) Yeah, that they they rent a tow truck? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) We get a tow back then for $7.63. Um, but yeah. 
In response to this, Forrest Whitaker, who is the star football player on the team, goes fucking ham in the next game, which is against this team. Um, it's because he shit himself. Because as they said earlier in that scene, they said first he's going to shit and then he's going to kill us. So he's, he was shitting himself on the field. That's why he was doing so well. He was yeah. just he was just bolting across the field. He was uh, bolting across the field, projected by uh, his excrement, and uh, he, they won the big game. Oh, but Nicolas Cage does make an appearance at this football game. He's uh, in the crowd. Uh, really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, there he is again. Maybe he'll speak now. I legit, I never noticed him the whole time I watched the movie. I had to look up the scenes again on YouTube afterwards and be like, oh, there he is. I can't believe you missed the I'm a homo sign that he put on that kid's back. Look, I was taking extensive notes as you're all appreciating the fruit of my work right now. We appreciate it a lot, Jess. Thank you. Yeah, yeah my notes say... Uh, it must have been bright on set because Forrest Whitaker's squinting. That's all I got. So, but uh, so after this, Mark and Mike show up to Stacy's place unannounced. They just kind of show up. Mike's like, "Come on, she'll love it. This is great." So they're hanging out, swimming in the pool in the background. And Brad, who is Stacy's brother, if I hadn't mentioned that already, uh, Judge Reinhold is Stacy's brother, and uh, he's real depressed about his new embarrassing job where he has to dress like a pirate. And um, this is. He goes into the house after seeing Linda in her red bikini <laughs> swimming around in the pool. Played play by Phoebe Cates, by the way, which is very relevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then this is the famous scene from the movie, the one that, you know, gets referenced all the time, I think. Probably um, the most, like, yeah. rewinded and, like, paused scene in movie history because they just really want to see an 18-year-old girl pretending to be a 15-year-old <laughs> seeing their tits. It's... it's it's famous enough that it was, I, I remember this distinctly, that it was in VH1's I Love the 80s. I remember oh. that's, I had no idea what this movie was, but I knew that scene. Of course, VH1, so they did not show everything, but I knew that, I knew of this scene because of that. And, and, and it's not just because the character in the movie is like 15, 16, but I've been so fucking poisoned by internet porn that that scene did literally nothing for me. <laughs> it did literally nothing for me. But yeah, um, yeah, I saw this on I Love the 80s too, so I was expecting Todd Glass to be doing a voiceover. Uh, <laughs> I was expecting Michael Ian Black <laughs> to show up and Hal Sparks to, to talk about it. Um, yeah, uh, Brad starts uh, masturbating in the bathroom, fantasizing about Linda where she walks up and takes off her top and her boobs are on scene, screen for like one second or yeah. something like that. But it's enough to go down and film history. Oh, yeah. And, and, she, and she, is, she tries to kiss him and then she walks into the bathroom and seeing he's honking off. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, Judge Reinhold, apparently for that scene, brought in a giant dildo uh, to, to masturbate on. And so Phoebe Kate's uh, reaction is... Real apparently because oh, really? she didn't wasn't expecting to see a massive dildo. <laughs> Is that actually true? Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's really that's actually really good. Okay, John Reinhold, that was pretty funny. Uh, good for you. Uh, after this hangout session with Mike and Mark, where they're all swimming in the pool, Stacy is more into Mike now than she is into Mark, and she. Which like, why wouldn't you be? He's obviously so cool, mm -hmm. dude. Then uh, we get another scene with Sean Penn. Where he orders a pizza into class, and the, the professor. Oh, and and, and don't don't forget uh, the very famous uh, point here is that Mike is literally a one pump chump. Oh no, that comes later. Oh, I'm does telling it? You, oh. I'm telling you. Oh, I'm sorry. I got extensive notes. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm not gonna. I'll get into it. I'll get into it. 
the way he barely got into her. So, <laughs> but yeah, Shotopan orders a pizza in class, and the professor is like, "You kid, thank you for buying me a pizza because I'm eating this now." But even though he's breaking his own rule that there's no e a t i n g in class. Mm-hmm. Well, he also shared it with the class though. So if you didn't know, this um, a communist teacher and, and he uh, distributed it to the class. Oh, Solid yes. dude. Yeah. Even though at that time, I believe he, he was in his lecture trying to justify American imperialism. In, in oh, <laughs> I, 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 got the, I got the wrong impression then, because I thought he was like, well, you know, America was trying to throw its weight around in fucking Cuba, and that's when he got cut off. So, you know, I think he oh. was actually being a little bit more critical than that. Oh, okay. But then he had pizza in his mouth, so he had to save that for the next lesson. Yeah. But uh, if that seemed like a pointless digression, it's because it was. But <laughs> Sean Penn is the biggest person on the poster and the top build actor, so I have to mention his parts. Um, Which are so uh, inconsequential to everything that happened. <laughs> yeah, so. entirely also, unnecessary. There's also two bikini babes who are not characters in the movie at all that are also on the main on the poster, but neither the none of the other characters who have obviously more screen time than him are not featured on the poster at all. <laughs> the actual bikini babes. Yeah, the the ones who are actually in bikinis for like a good at least quarter of the movie. I feel like. Well, they didn't want to put underage girls in bikinis on the poster. That's that's a little too raunchy. Yeah, but yeah. So after uh, Stacy tells Mike she likes him, she takes him back to her place. They go into the pool house and they end up having sex there, and kind of. Yeah, kind of, because like Mike comes like. Immediately, yeah. Like, I don't even know if two. I don't even know if it's two pumps. It's like literally one pump chomp. It's like, like uh, I don't think it was a full pump. Yeah. Honestly, he was uh, like a, a basically a California burger joint because he was friggin' in and out, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he immediately leaves, like either regretting it or embarrassed or something. Then in the next scene, like Brad is really embarrassed by his pirate uniform and uh, quits his job. At this new place, which is like Captain Hooks, something or other. I don't know. Well, okay. didn't he? Didn't he quit his job by there's like a big delivery, and then he just threw it out the window. Yeah, he threw everything he, out the window. He pulls up next to a hot lady uh, at a red light who happens to be Nancy Wilson from Heart, wife of Cameron Crowe. Uh-huh. Uh, interesting. Okay. Didn't and because uh, he gets clowned on in front of the hot lady, he throws his hat out the window, which is the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Because it's not bad enough being dressed like a pirate, but he's a pirate in a fucking turtleneck, yeah. which is a whole nother ball game. It's true. But uh, so after this, Stacy tells Mike that she is pregnant. Um, and Mike says, like, well, we got to get an abortion. And she's like, I already got one planned, but it's going to cost one hundred and fifty dollars. I need you to pay for half and I need you to drop me off at the appointment. And he's like, all right. And then, well. He fails to show up on the day of, doesn't pay for it, and uh, she and, has... Which, which, which really tells the kind of moral like moral center and very like uh, solid morals this character has, right? He comes in one second, gets her pregnant, and doesn't even fucking pay for half the abortion. And like, also, dude, come a on. fucking abortion, too. Yeah. And before yeah. even uh, the word abortion comes up, the, his first reaction to finding out she's pregnant is, you wanted it! Yeah. Uh, so... Definitely, uh, the responsibility is out of his hands safely. Which, yeah. let's be honest, though, that's definitely a thing Cameron Crowe said while he was undercover at the high school. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I can't have a baby with a high school girl in any yeah. way. You basically wanted it. It's like, it. You, listen, you wanted it, okay, as she's crying on the floor. You were Cameron freaking Crow. dripping all over the outfield, my dude. So, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so Mike's 
being a bit of a fucking deadbeat here. Yeah, um, I am. Kenny's not even a deadbeat dad. He's a deadbeat fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, she has her brother Brad drop her off at the appointment instead, and she tries to hide it, but Brad ends up seeing and agrees to keep it, like, secret from their parents and, like, tries to comfort her and, a bit. And, and you know what? That's the thing. Like, through, like in the early scene of this movie, I thought he was going to be one of the big scumbag characters, but he had a nice little character arc there where he was yeah. being very supportive and loving to his sister. It was yeah. honestly very sweet. I liked that. Yeah. He ended up being uh, the freaking biggest sweetie in the movie. Yeah. He, he gets the biggest sweetie in the movie award from, from me. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, no, J- Judge Reinhold's character in this movie, he gets an A-plus from me for morals compared to everybody else, for sure. And Rat's not too bad, I guess. No, he's fine. And then Mr. Hand is cool shit, obviously, too. Yeah, Mr. Hand's a f- straight up... Gee. Mr. Hands it's, is the best Herbie Hancock album of the 80s. It's, it's just unfortunate the way he died. <laughs> <laughs> I make jazz references, you make... I make horse sex references. Opposite ends of the spectrum, but we're all on the spectrum. Uh, opposite so. end of a certain kind of spectrum, if you know what I mean. Um, but, okay. <laughs> so then afterwards, at school, Mike, he, he gets his car tagged with Little Prick and his locker, too, with, like, Prick. Deserved it, by the way. Oh, yeah, deserved it. And uh, Mark finds out about Mike and Stacy, and Mark is pissed not about the abortion thing. I guess Stacy probably kept that secret a little bit or something. I don't know. I, yeah. I think that was like a secret between the brother and sister and probably Mike. Yeah, and I, I think, think as Linda far as too, Rat I think knows, knew, but, they yeah. just like hooked up or even maybe he even knows less than that. I don't yeah. know. But uh, he's, he's super pissed. They're, they're going to like fight in the locker room, but it gets broken up by the coach. So then after this, the kids go on a tour of the hospital and see a dissected human body. Uh, fucking weird. Kind of doubt that would ever happen. Oh, no, you'd be surprised. I, That's maybe happened. in like a college anatomy class. Okay, but never I, mind. Because I, I, I had that in college anatomy class. Never mind. This was a high school teacher who was literally reaching into a dead body and pulling stuff out of it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, this was early 80s. I'm sure that was a thing at certain fucking high school classes. I guarantee it. That's, it was very weird, though. I mean, it's kind of cool. Have you ever like dug into a dead body before? Shit's cool as fuck. I mean, I've yeah, but not like in school. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that teacher was definitely enjoying it. Yeah, yeah enjoying it a little too much. This is before yeah. we find out he has a strangely hot wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. who, who knew that Mr. Hands wasn't the biggest sexual deviant in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> this guy um, was really playing with corpses. Um, so Stacy is uncomfortable with the corpse, but, you know, Mark comforts her. Then it's finals time. We got a montage of them taking finals, man, and doing all sorts of goofy ways of cheating, like taping the answers to the back of your sunglasses and uh, writing it on your leg and... I don't know. There were a bunch of other covering shit, covering the whole spectrum of that, cheating. That montage was kind of funny. I liked that. Yeah, it was all right. Um, I did do something similar to that in high school. So well, the most creative one is: Did you hear about like the scandal of kids for, for like a group of classes that all like printed the answers and the nutrition facts on a Coke label and wrapped it around yeah. actual Coke bottles and brought that into it? So right. fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's some gangster shit. That's cool as fuck, dude. <laughs> but um. So then it's the night of the graduation dance, and Sean Penn's about to go. (laughs) But uh, Mr. Hand shows up saying, like, Yeah, fucking fucking narc. You're killing my balls, bro, on the night of the fucking dance. (laughs) And he says, uh, You know, like, according to my calculations, you have wasted eight hours of my time this year, and now I'm going to waste eight hours of yours, which. 
That was kind of funny. I'll say that. It it was, was, that, that was my favorite Mr. Hand scene by fucking far in this movie. Like mm-hmm. I said, that really endeared me to that character. Because I'm like, nah, you know what, Spicoli, you're going to stop being a fucking dipshit. And you're actually <laughs> going to learn something for fucking once. You're not going to get by in your surfing, bro. And your g- gorgeous looks. <laughs> <laughs> or Mr. Hands goes through some, like, schooling with him, but lets him go. And uh, at the graduation dance, Sean Penn somehow ends up on stage singing with the band... Um, Linda apparently breaks up with her older boyfriend. Um, Mark and Mike make up. Um, you know, it's never seen if like Stacy ever forgives Mike, but we, we see that Mike has a redemption arc here because Mark <laughs> forgave him for, you know, but whatever. Um, by all accounts, Mike's forgiven. Cause you know, Mark was the one who was most hurt by this action. Yes. But, um, then uh, afterwards, uh, at work at the mall, Stacy says to Linda, she wants romance, not sex. And then she looks across the hall and calls Mark over and gives him a, a photo of her with her phone number in the back and gives him a kiss. And then um, Brad is working at a convenience store, which gets robbed. This scene is weird and random, but like, and I, I thought the movie was pretty much going to be over. But he's working at a convenience store. Sean Penn just walks in and he's like, dude, I'm buying stoner snacks, dude. <laughs> I'm going to use your bathroom. So that, and then while Sean Penn is in the bathroom, uh, a robber comes in with like a 45 and is just holding him at gunpoint. Like, give me the fucking money from the safe. I even staking out this place. But, um, luckily Sean Penn walks out and he's like, dude, and, uh, distracts the guy just enough that judge Reinhold just splashes him with some hot coffee, takes the gun and holds him at gunpoint. And justice is served that this guy who is just robbing a convenience store for probably 150, 200 bucks um, needed to be held at some point. Whatever. It I, was I the beginning of a uh, buddy comedy that was totally gnarly. <laughs> well, fun fact, that scene actually influenced all the entire series of Death Wish. So. <laughs> We're gonna. Oh man, what if what if the old white guy was killing minorities, bro? <laughs> was this rage? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, it's not primal. Uh, so then after this, we get a montage of shots with, you know, the characters and text of where they are now. I wonder, did that trope, like, originate with this movie? No, I think it might have originated with, uh, what the fuck was that movie with uh, John Belushi? Oh, Animal House. I think it might have originated with Animal House. Okay. Because I think a movie came on, like, 1980, or this uh, movie came on 82, if I'm not mistaken. So I think yeah. it probably started with that movie. And like I said, it, it was unfortunate that they did not put that Mr. Hands got fucked to death by a horse in Washington <laughs> State later on. Well, they say that he's still convinced everyone's on dope, but, like, was he wrong about... <laughs> no, he was objectively <laughs> not wrong. I guarantee you they were all fucking on dope. Um, uh, and also, uh, so, are, are you going to continue on with the plot, or can we get to our... Oh, that's it. Opinions? That's the whole plot. So, so my thing Movie's is, right, over. is that obviously uh, uh, Stacy is just horribly sexually abused this entire movie. Like, first off, she gets statutory raped by a 26-year-old as her first sexual experience, and then her second sexual experience lasts one second, and she has to have a fucking horrible abortion by herself that she has to pay out of pocket for. Yeah. Like, this woman, like, is is the story of a woman who ends up at a lot of fucking women's shelters. Like, it's honestly really fucking disturbing. It wasn't funny at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it gets, I feel so bad. Like, this girl, I just want to give this girl a fucking hug, dude. Like, I feel so bad for this girl. Yeah. That's why she winds up in the Hateful Eight. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. 
Is, is that where is that she got all that rage and that's why she just couldn't stop saying end pops? Yeah, yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, Stacy goes through a lot of shit this movie, especially for being a comedy movie, ostensibly. Yeah, this, this movie's um, not really very funny. No, it isn't. It's really yeah. mean spirited and vulgar and vile. If anything, give her the benefit of the doubt, put her on the poster. Did, did people did people back in the 80s find statutory rape funny? Oh, when you think about it. I mean, kind it, of, yeah. It's pretty goofy that he didn't actually know her age. That was kind of like <laughs> a prank. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a good prank. And, th- and that's the thing, about, especially with what we know about Hollywood, like, imagine all the type of guys who think, like, no, no, she really wanted to do, like, she seduced me. Dude, she lied about her age, bro, so I'm, t- like, I couldn't even tell. She looks, she was so mature. You're so mature for her age, yeah. <laughs> you know. She knows you know what's calculus. A sh- what's a shame, though, is, um, you know who we never see in this movie? Stacy's mom. <laughs> yeah. I hear she's got it going on. I bet oh, she was pretty God. fucking hot, dude. <laughs> By the way, rest in peace, Adam Schlesinger. Rest in peace. <laughs> one, of, one of the first major victims of COVID in America. Oh, yeah. The only important one, really. Yeah, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, Herman Cain, though. Yeah. <laughs> Herman Cain Herman was, Cain. that one was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good. Godfather Pizza will never be the same without you, Herman. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, overall thoughts from anybody? I, I was really expecting to like this movie, and then the content of it really fucking pissed me off, and I did not really like this movie nearly as much as I thought I would. Um, definitely super sexy. Definitely, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I'm super glad that this movie uh, was the sexual awakening for uh, the parents who created so many of my friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm sorry. Like, if this movie created your sexual awakening, like you're probably a fucking monster. Like, this movie's <laughs> fucking disgusting. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, I mean, I haven't seen like a ton of the 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 hit '80s like high school movies. I've seen Breakfast Club, and that's it. And uh, it's not really quite my thing. So I was hoping uh, maybe they're not really my thing either. I mean, would you characterize Ferris Bueller in that bracket though? Because that one I do. Ferris like. Bueller is great. Ferris Bueller's and, awesome. Yeah. I will say, though, too, is that, like, you know, talk about, like, horrible depictions of sexualizing minors. This movie is, like, on the level fucking sallow in regards to, like, sexualizing minors. That's that Ooh. bad, dude. It's fucking gross. Yeah, it's it's not good. Uh, and, well, speaking of Ferris Bueller, Matthew Broderick was originally supposed to play uh, Brad Hamilton. Uh, oh. But he, oh, shit. Uh, his dad apparently got, like, really sick and didn't do the role. Okay. Um, And even though there were some solid scenes in this movie, it just, I was just so fucking repulsed by a lot of it. It just was, I I just don't know how anyone finds this fucking movie funny. I just genuinely don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Nathan, what what did you find funniest? (laughs) Well, I was going to say that I I feel, I feel like uh, Sean Penn Spicoli was really obviously like he's supposed to be the funniest character in this movie. He's, he's the funny man out of all this, but maybe it's just that I'm just kind of like, We've seen this character like a thousand times now of the stoner. And so maybe it's because I've already seen it so many times that I was just kind of I was kind of repulsed by his character in general and just didn't find him funny at all. And it just it just didn't that part didn't work for me. So I also agreed it was not there's very little to actually be funny from this. Yeah, he I don't know. Every scene I saw him in was like, oh, I mean, this is not funny. This is just kind of annoying me. He just kind of shows yes. up and goes, dude. And then he goes and beats Madonna. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I mean, at this point, uh, like the 
he just is like everything about his character is so hacky and cliche that it's yeah, not entertaining. Uh, it, it may have been the origin for a lot of those tropes, but you know, I, obviously it's been done better and it's already been beaten into the ground. I mean, I don't really think so. Like, I mean, Shaggy was kind of a proto version of that, and that and Scooby Doo came out in the fucking late '60s. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but uh, Shaggy. But Shaggy least, wasn't an idiot. And Shaggy fucking got the job done. So yeah, no, he did. Yeah. He had a cool ass fucking dog. Yeah. Like, and that seriously. dog was also one of the biggest donors. I mean, Mr. Hand had a cool horse. But, <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Spicoli had nothing. He was just a boring fucking pothead who probably would later go on to just be that annoying guy who you see at shows. It's like, man, I remember when I saw us being in the 80s. You were so fucking cool. It's like, <clears throat> dude, I don't give a fuck. I wasn't even a fucking sperm in my dad's nutsack in the 80s. I don't give a fuck what your experiences were back I then, I remember dude. when this band was more than Jake. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Maybe this movie would have been great and refreshing back in the day because, I don't know, it strikes me as maybe the reason this got notoriety was, was it was, like, one of the first movies about high school kids that was, like, aimed at high school kids. So maybe that had some redeeming quality, but I, I, it's not it, doing anything I don't even right I don't now. even think that's and, entirely true because there were plenty of, like, high school movies from, like, the 70s and 60s that were, like, had a lot of these same tropes, to be honest. Like, yeah. maybe not the exact same, but pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, this movie was not, I mean, it, it was the the first for a lot of things, I think, but it was not groundbreaking in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're talking about good high school movies, uh, we, we joked about it earlier with Matthew McConaughey, but really, though, um, uh, watch Days and Confused instead. I think that movie's a fucking lot better. And there's a lot of similarities between Fast Times and Days and Confused. And I think Days and Confused is a million fucking times better. Yeah, honestly, a lot of the like famous lines from Days and Confused, I could never remember if they were from Days and Confused or this movie. Uh, and then they weren't in this movie, and I was bored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I was not in high school in the early 80s, so I don't know if this actually is what it was like for a lot of kids then. But if it was, I can maybe understand why so many of, like, the boomers in my life are so fucking stupid. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and, and, like, sex pests, uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I really didn't much care for this movie. There were maybe, like, a couple of scenes that I kind of, like, maybe, like, you know, smirked at once or twice, but it was well outweighed by all the weird sexualization of of children and, uh, yeah, I don't and, know. and like it's I said, I mean, very the, fun to watch. the Mr. Hand scenes and then the scene where uh, uh, Judge Reinhold, uh, <laughs> I think he's Brad, right? Yeah. yeah. Comf- uh, like comforts his sister. Those are the only scenes that I actually liked in this movie. Yeah. Brad- I, I really liked I liked everything with Brad. I think Brad was a good character. I really liked Judge Reinhold in general. You know, yeah, I, 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 I can actually I can fully agree with that. I think I think his scenes were probably the most relatable because I've been in a lot of shitty jobs like that before. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And he handled those in a way that I wouldn't have, but I totally understand how you would handle those situations like that. Yeah, Brad, solid dude. He's solid a solid brother. He's a borderline anti-capitalist character. <laughs> like, but yeah, he does. He does everything that you would want to do in that job. You, you would want to <laughs> to, to you know say fuck you to the the customer who wants the refund on that. You would want to you know shred your uniform while you're driving down the road because oh, you yeah. hate your job so much. But you don't do that. You know, he's everything you would want to 
want to is, do in that kind of yeah and, and even the quote-unquote contemptible things he may or may not like trying to break up with his girlfriend so he get more poon he's doing it in a one of the least shitty ways possible by like rehearsing it and like saying this instead of being like yo bitch fuck you i don't want to see you anymore yeah and then also like the fact that you know the the, the jacking off to that scene he was doing it in private he yeah, wasn't doing it where anyone could see or anything the yeah. door was closed so like even though that's maybe a little bit inappropriate like he was purposefully making sure that she didn't see so like i don't know i feel like that if that's the she, worst thing someone's ever done then he gets a fucking pass from me she fully peeked over his shoulder too it wasn't like it, he just like how I, I that's one of the thing i don't understand how she made it all the way into the bathroom and like looked oh she had to look yeah. over his shoulder <laughs> to see his dick and his and back was to the door. Uh, I've, I feel like uh, if you would have just whipped the door open and not peeked in, you would have been I like, because that's not how I enter a bathroom. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I guess, you yeah, no, the, the second I see someone's like knee popping out of the toilet, I'm like, oh, shit, sorry. You don't go open the fucking door all the way. Yeah. Come on. And even then you're still like, oh, shit, sorry. At least knock or put your ear to the door to hear for any grunting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Something. So, but no, honestly, he's probably the most or probably the least shitty character besides his sister in regards to like morals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, so is that everybody's thoughts on this thing? Oh, uh, also say, like I, very little Nicholas Cage. Oh, sorry. Yeah, literally, I got notes. Oh, 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 but, okay. uh, we were actually gonna do reviews too, right? Yeah. Oh but yeah. We gotta well, hear what Dave has to say first. Mm-hmm. Dave hit us with that summary, bad boy. You're contractually ab- obliged summary. Nick Cage is a homo. <laughs> the rest is basically Pizzagate with extra steps. <laughs> with extra toppings? No. <laughs> yes, and extra toppings. Oh, man. Okay, that's no, that, that's fair. That's very on point. I mean, that was the most consequential scene because I was the only one that noticed it. <laughs> oh, man. Good eye. <laughs> but yes, um, so Nick Cage is a homo. Uh, <laughs> uh, and our favorite homo. Um, I do have some reviews. Um, a lot of the five-star reviews for this movie are like um, dads that grew up to be fucking shitty Republicans, I feel like. Because <laughs> like all the people who were like, oh, th- this is like the movie of my childhood. Or there was a ton of reviews that were like, this is exactly what it was like. And uh, so, I really hope not. Um, for the- All the girls were super horny. That's exactly what I remember. Girls Bro, do you know how many girls wet. I got pregnant and then just didn't pay for the abortion dude. and I just stuck out on me? And we never paid child support and you couldn't find us because it was the 80s and it wasn't always easy to find dead beat You should have seen the... pro-life. <laughs> you should have seen the look on her face when I told her I would pay for half of the abortion. She believes me. <laughs> Yo, bro, you should have seen her face when I fucked her when she was underage and I was a full-grown adult. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, were any of these written by people who were 26 at the time? <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of, uh, yeah, questionable reviews. Um, so I kind of went down to the the, the one-star spectrum to see um, how they fared on that end. Uh, Jerry wrote a review. Um, uh, he says, uh, misleading. You don't get the movie. Um, and he says, I thought when I bought the movie, I could download it and it's mine. I paid for it. (laughs) No, just streaming. So you always have to go back in and log into them. Disappointed. (laughs) 
Uh, uh, he'll be really disappointed by Mulan when he gets that in a couple weeks. Ooh, yeah, he's going to be... That dude, if he's not dead right now, is going to be pissed. Yeah, talk, talk about Jerry. You know who that review was written by? Talk about Cameron Crowe. It was written by Jerry Maguire. It was written by Jerry Maguire or Show Jerry me Cantrell. the movie! Show me the movie! <laughs> Show me the... Underage titties. Um, I got a review from uh, actually someone that we brought up before. This might be our first celebrity review. Bugs Bunny. Oh, uh, shit. All right. Who writes, uh, thumbs down. Just look to see Penn. Bad movie. Um, I, I will say, though, if you are a fan of Nick Cage or Sean Penn, you would probably fucking hate this movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, honestly, uh, neither none of the heroes are in it for long enough, you know. <laughs> and we we watch movies very... for other things than Nick Cage, so I mean, we weren't disappointed at all by Nick Cage's barely existed <laughs> performance. You know, Sean Penn too. Was this like one of his first roles, or I think, I think so. it was. Yeah, yeah, because he went on to do shit that's completely different from this. He's mostly known as like a dramatic actor and shit now. So. Yeah. yeah, he went. Or, um, he later went on to be an I Am Sam. Oh, yeah. uh, which is the best and most sensitive portrayal of, of you know mental disabilities you've ever seen. I uh, don't know that I've actually really seen any of his movies. He's been he's been in the movie he's, Milk, and then he was Milk. also in the borderline snuff film he made with Madonna. <laughs> yeah, he's in Gangster Squad. More importantly, he switches from Ursula to Phoebe in Friends, dude. Total baller move. Oh, oh man, shit. Um. Uh, so I got another review from Daniel Galvis, uh, who writes, Great movie, Terrible Server. Uh, I rented the movie, and although it was great, it just stopped working halfway through. Some problem I always have renting from Amazon. Amazon? <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> uh, I got a review from uh, the guy from that one. Um, um, what's his name? Uh, hold on. I can't do the joke. Hold on. What's the <laughs> joke? Um, okay. Take two. I got a got a review from the guy from that uh, Hugh Jackman movie, Van Hamlin. Okay, <laughs> nailed that. That was good. Um, not a very funny movie. The film impressed me as a film for pedophiles. <laughs> there was a number of scenes that included gratuitous sex, bare breasts, etc. Of very young actors, both male and female. Uh, a lot of male tits in this. That was good, too. Uh, it seemed like exploitation of actors new to the film industry. In addition, Jennifer Jason Leigh uh, experiences a teenage pregnancy and has an abortion. It wasn't a realistic script. Sean Penn plays himself. There were cameos from future stars like Nicolas Cage. There was no point in the movie where you could say it was about personal growth, a tragedy, or even buddy love. It made Hollywood Nights look like a good movie. Uh... So somewhere on the on the right track. But I've never seen. Was it Hollywood Nights? Yeah. What the I, fuck is that movie? I don't know. Are they talking about Boogie Nights? Yeah. yeah I think they might be talking about Boogie Nights. I feel like they're probably talking <laughs> and, about Boogie and, Nights. But. And okay, so honestly, I agreed with the vast majority of that review. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem uh, though like they might be a little bit pro life for one second, uh, <laughs> and then they jump right back out of it. I'm not uh, not quite sure. Um, I, I got just a couple more. I got one from Rain who says, uh, I don't remember this item. Um, got one from James Parati that says... Wait, wait, that was the whole Rain review? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, James Parati says, got it and watched it. Great movie. In love with Phoebe. Okay. Oh, okay. If that person is under the age of 19 and a half. That is not an acceptable review. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I do believe I looked at his thumbnail and um, 
he's old as fuck. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, then yeah. Uh, oh, okay. A little sus there. Right. It was exhibit uh, A in his character, in his court case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I might have to present this to somebody. Uh, James You'll Parati. be an expert witness at his trial later. <laughs> he used his full name, too, and not a stage name like Bugs Bunny did. <laughs> Uh, Sarah writes, uh, why haven't I seen this movie till now? I got yelled at at work for not seeing this movie. I instantly went home and watched it. LMFAO. Hmm. So she liked it. She liked it. Good. Good. At least Um, she found joy in the pedophilia message. What what was that person's name? Uh, Sarah. You know, that's actually the, uh, uh, the pseudonym of a, uh, what's her name? Um, Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, (laughs) something like that. Something like okay. that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I don't know why she hadn't seen it up until now. <laughs> yeah. And she also, uh, I looked at her profile, gave uh, Barbershop a one-star review because uh, she thought it was going to be about grooming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but diff- different. And to be fair, Barbershop, uh, they're, manning, like, they're taking care of the hair around, not the head, right? Yeah. Well, I, uh, I can't remember. Maybe that's Barbershop, too. Okay. Uh, she did give a five star review to Fantasy Island, though. <laughs> gave five star review to the last Lost Prophets album. <laughs> uh, my, I have one last review. One last uh, and it's from uh, Michael, not me. Uh, but he just says, uh, I am so wasted. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and listen, I. <laughs> That's a great one. Isn't it? <laughs> and, you know, one, one more thing I totally forgot to mention earlier. So, Cameron Crowe obviously is a pedophile. We all know that. <laughs> Um, do we know for sure if Cameron Crowe was any was in a pop punk band at some point? Because there's a lot of pop punk themes, if you know what Look, I mean. That Cameron Crowe. There had. are a lot of goddamn pop punk singers that end up being pedophiles. It's true, but it doesn't invalidate all the pop punk. I know you just want to shit on pop punk. We've had numerous arguments about this outside of not about the pedophilia. We're not going to bash pop punk here, but um, I will say that um, I'm really sad I missed the Warp Tour uh, where Cameron Crowe headlined. Uh, so. <laughs> and listen, the best thing is that a lot of pop punk bands are obsessed with cheese pizza of multiple kinds. Yeah, I will say this, though. Um, what is a pop punk guitarist's favorite chord to play? A minor. But, uh, uh, and, and also yeah. that. Hey. But, um, oh, my God. And that's how you know, you know, you know the phrase defend pop punk? The phrase was originally about defending pop punk artists from claims of sexual misconduct with children. Oh, God. I never fucking understood those. I think that was a band like Man Overboard. That's it. That was it. Yeah, yeah. I don't fucking... Why did they do that? What are you defending it from? Like I said, from from sexual misconduct (laughs) accusations for children. But, uh, so... Good movie. Yeah. Yeah, great movie. Uh, Solid recommendation from the Cage Fight Great movie. Definitely. Recommend if you are 50 years or older. Yes. And especially if you uh, like to drop your kids off at high school and take a peek at them young girls. If you're on a registry somewhere, this is a good movie for you to watch. And it was certainly, without a doubt, a Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah, I'm really glad we talked about it on the Nicolas Cage podcast, Cage Fun. Okay. I was invited to talk about this on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we really got into it for that. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to take a break here, and then um, when we're back, we'll be talking about knowing returning favorite so see you soon yeah so see you soon see you in like 15 seconds who sent it who sent it <laughs> <laughs> we fuck we fuck now <laughs> <laughs>
We pod. We cast now. I really wish we could find a way to bring Deadfall back into this bracket. Holly uh, fucking Luya, man. The Joker's wild. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until we're recording, but it's actually pertinent to the human race that we bring Deadfall back. I believe it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I heard something about it. It is it's not the prophecy. I heard something about oh, it. Recording. Oh, recording. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Deadfall, uh, needs to be brought back because, uh, the human race, uh, depends on it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, dude. If actually, uh, in the movie Knowing, um, if you look at all the dates, one of the dates is, uh, Natural Disasters is the day that we picked that other movie over Deadfall. Raising, oh, Raising Arizona. Arizona. Oh, I see. Um, so that's one of the dates on the the paper by the creepy girl <laughs> well yes everyone we are back here on cage fight now we're talking to you about knowing um this is one that we did cover earlier on the show in i believe episode four which was arsenal versus knowing yeah this was an early one mm-hmm. this is a real early one it's actually been over a year since i last saw this which is crazy to Damn. think about yeah but um uh knowing just going through some quick facts again this came out in 2009, directed by Alex Proyas, produced by Escape Artists and DMG Entertainment. Has a runtime of 121 minutes, budget of $50 million, and a box office gross of $186.5 million. That's pretty good for Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. And I will say, too, uh, the Escape Artists films, I thought that was kind of funny. Like, that's a funny studio name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is one of the 14 out of 42 movies that was in the black um, one third of yeah. movies are in the black. That's you know we're we're gonna get a better rate at some point. Like, yeah, seriously. we're gonna get a better rate. I would like to point out forty two movies. We have officially watched just over half the movies in this bracket. Holy so. <laughs> right? Wow! Holy fuck, dude! So I feel it, unfortunately we are we are not halfway through because we still have another round of the bracket <laughs> where we review the majority of those films. Yeah, we're gonna get to watch a bunch over again. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> So, yeah, this got 33% from critics and Rotten Tomatoes, 42% audience rating. 42%? Really? Mm-hmm. I thought the audience would have liked this movie a little bit more. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by how little audiences enjoyed this as well. Uh, if you want trivia and a, a more in-depth plot summary, I would say go back and listen to episode four where we cover this a lot more in depth. Uh, this time around, I'm just going to give a real quick plot summary. Uh, just kind of a general overview of it, and then we're going to just go back on our return impressions for Mike and I and for Taylor and Nathan first impressions. Or hey, ta- um, Nathan, was this your first time seeing this movie, I assume? I Actually, no, I think I've seen this. I think I saw it like back when it came out, at, le- at least maybe like when it went to like DVD. But I definitely did not remember the plot as what actually I watched. Oh, and okay. the, the only time I've seen this movie was the Blu-ray cover when I was at Mega Media Exchange last weekend. That was the first time I saw this. <laughs> I think it's a very solid poster, honestly. It's it's a solid poster. Um, uh, as we all know, Dave really liked the poster for knowing. It's one of the best ones probably ever. <laughs> um, it's that actually... It was fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the poster for knowing... Uh, is a is a lot more accurate to the movie than the poster for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So. That is true. That's true. So this There's wins that. on poster truth alone. Yeah. Weird. Fast Times at Ridgemont High did that thing <laughs> where like movies will take uh m- like back in the day when movies weren't really super popular, it had a big name actor in it. And then like when the mo- DVD was released 30 years later, they put that most prominent actor on the cover yeah. of the DVD. And like it has it's like a fucking like it's one of those like uh, headshot photos from like now, not from then. <laughs> 
kind of like what they did with Mazes and Monsters with Tom Hanks. It was like his first starring role back in 1982, but they got like a fucking headshot of him from like Saving Private Ryan on the cover, and there's like a maze in the background, and there's no mazes in that movie at all. <laughs> well, uh, doing a little uh, brief plot summary here. When a time capsule is opened up at his young son's school, Nicolas Cage finds a note inside that is just covered with numbers. Uh, he begins to pour over those numbers and realize that they're all dates of disasters and tragedies and the number of people who died in them and um, GPS coordinates of where these tragedies happen. So um, the last prediction that is listed on the note is that everyone will die on a date that is just like three weeks away from when he discovers it, I think. Yeah, October 19th or something. Yeah, I think it was October 19th, 2009. Um, so he hunts down the daughter. Which, of the which by the way, spoiler alert, uh, it is 2020 and we're not all dead. Or at least I don't think we're all dead. So we're dead inside. So I don't think the prophecy... It's pretty fucking hot out here, though. I mean, you know, especially with Joe Biden and Kamala being the Democratic nominees, I think we all are, should be dead inside of this. Yeah. We allowed this as a society to happen. So. We're, we're certainly, uh, if we're not in literal hell, we're uh, in some form of hell, so... You know, say, uh, Hell is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle, right? <laughs> hell is Other Robots by Futurama, season four or five. One. Damn. <laughs> no, Man, sorry. you got that way off... Dude, that was like three years difference. That was the first. So the first season of Futurama was the first year that Matt Groening was on the Lolita Express. Oh, when he got his uh, nasty feet rubbed? Yes, yes, yes. And then three years after that, he went again. Oh, so I mean. So that was the three year difference between his first time in the Lolita Express and his <laughs> second time in the Lolita Express. I don't want to think about him having been on there. I love he only got <laughs> his feet rubbed, all right? Yeah, listen. Gotta get that stamp card punched. Listen, that, 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 that main accuser girl, whatever her name is, I can't remember her name at the moment. But um, um, she she only said it was a foot rub, okay? There was no sex involved that we know yeah, of. Yeah, he did come, but she didn't. <laughs> okay, uh, the, more of the plot summary. Um, so he hunts down the daughter of the girl who wrote the numbers on the um, in the uh, note in the time capsule, and but the two answered. begin to search for clues of okay, how that, to prevent the coming apocalypse. In, in that scene, right? So I wrote that down as a fucking note, right? Like, Nick Cage, like, fucking using his son to stalk a woman. Yes. That's literally what he does. Yeah, it is crazy. I, I have some things to say about that in a bit or two. But, um, but uh, like, listen, son, you're going to go to the museum together, and you're going to talk to her daughter real quick so I can, like, kind of smooth up on her. Like, that's a scumbag dad thing to fucking do. Oh, my, yeah. my dad did stupid shit like that. <laughs> yeah, well, he basically hates his kid because he's a vegetarian. We... And you his kid is really fucking like he's like mostly deaf, not entirely deaf, right? He's not deaf. He makes a his yes. Nicholas Cage makes the point to say he's not deaf. He, hey, he gets fucking yeah, he's just, get that wrong. This is really stupid. I mean, that's, imagine having a fucking <laughs> cripple kid. Like, yeah, I can get why you fucking hate that piece of shit. Fuck that kid. But you just leave him um, in the museum, honestly. Yeah, my mom died, and I'm partially disabled. <laughs> well, grow up, kid. All right, become Batman or fucking. Yeah. Kill yourself. This movie came out during the Obama years. You got to grow up now, kid. All right. <laughs> but um, ultimately, they discover that aliens have given the clues and are coming down to rescue some human children to put them on another planet so that the human race can continue on. Uh, Cage dies in the apocalypse, but is assured knowing that his son and humanity will continue onward. And so that's the thing, so, right? So those those like those like weird people who are looking at the kids and trying to talk to them. Um, I nicknamed them the non squad. <laughs> 
Um, and also, uh, uh, in parentheses, also call them the, the pop punk squad because they all looked—they <laughs> all looked objectively like pop punk singers, as you can tell. They—they uh, uh, they were only staring at children because they wanted to take them safely to a nice place that was away from here. And his 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 parents cannot come along. And then freaking uh, Spike from Buffy's uh, shows up in the kid's room while he's sleeping and shit. Uh, he's one of the not squad, I think. <laughs> So, yeah, okay, so once again, we talk about movies with, like, very severe, like, pedophile themes. That's a pedophile theme. Like, these people who don't talk to adults but only talk to children try to sway them away from their parents. Showing up with shiny rocks. Yeah. Hey, kid, look at this shiny rock. Uh, Your dad's not looking. Let's come here and let's talk for a little bit. And then he knows the kid looks kind of horrified at it. He's like, Dad, I don't know. I can't tell you what's going on. Like, come on. This is like pedophile allegory fucking shit. I, well, I in defense of the Nant squad, he wanted it. <laughs> he wanted to be saved up. from the apocalypse. He, he went up to that car on his own. He, he wanted that. He wanted to get pregnant. And they so. gave him a pretty stone. They gave that is a pretty nice fucking rock. Yeah. It looks like those little magnets. Although we do learn that it, it it looks just like all the rest of the fucking rocks. It's not all that special. There's yeah. lots more of them. You know, it's like a warehouse of fucking shiny black rocks. And that's like he he woke up and he's like, This is a cool rock, but why does my butt hurt? <laughs> God. He, he's pooping out more black rocks. <laughs> um Toilet. Yeah, <laughs> who's this Lena Dunham? Like, <laughs> there's a scene where Nicolas Cage comes in super mad because he's trying to flush all these rocks down the toilet. <laughs> Sorry, Dad, I just didn't want you to know that I was talking to strangers. Yeah, um, like, come on, there's just so many pedophile allegories with those fucking characters. It was ridiculous. One thing I'll say, so the thing that destroys the Earth in this is a, uh, you know, a, a big solar flare, uh, right? A big solar flare, a huge, massive one. One an annoying Neil deGrasse Tyson style nitpick oh, about fuck. that fun. Wait, um, would the kid have slid on the sand? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. This movie takes place in two thousand nine, which, fun fact, was the last time that the sun was in the dormancy period of the solar cycle, thus making solar flares and sunspots, things of the like, solar wind, really uncommon and really unlikely. And uh, so the one yeah. time it might happen would be super dangerous, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. And, and you know what? That's the, that's the thing, right, is that um, later on, I believe two years later, the very legendary and good band Emira would release a song based on that incident. It was called Solar Flare Homicide. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, well, really I mean, good song. Basically, the sun, um, the sun is like your nuts. Now, hear me out for a second, all right? So when your nuts go into the dormant section and they're not blasting, right, uh, when they finally do blast... October 19th, 2009, it's a big load. <laughs> okay. And so the solar flare had basically been saving up all this juice, right? Mm-hmm. And now it freaking is filled to the brim and it's leaking out all over the earth. Yeah. I don't know. Things are different, though. It's like... <laughs> I don't shoot big loads anymore, but that's a separate thing. That's a, se- that's a whole separate thing. Well, you know, kids, we'll get into that someday. Okay? We'll, I, we'll talk about it when you're older. I mean, and again, I'm just assuming that you don't shoot big loads if you hold it in for a while. I'm, I'm, you know, blasting out straight water ten times a day. So, <laughs> and you know, what? I will um, say another trivia fun fact you might not have known. You know, the you know when the kids doing sign language. Uh, you know, Nick Cage actually learned sign language to teach the kid in the movie sign language. <laughs> he was actually, uh, he was not speaking English with sign language. He was translating sign language to Navajo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's uh, doing Navajo so. sign language. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
on that fun fact, uh, actually, too, 2009 had a record low number of sunspots, solar winds, and solar flares, actually some of the lowest recorded in history. But also, fun That's fact, it's 11 years, the solar cycle is 11 years. We are ne- right now re-entering the dormancy period of the sun cycle. Fun astronomy facts that are mildly yeah. relevant. And, and now uh, they're going to remake knowing. That's, that's <laughs> what the lamestream media wants you to know. Okay? Oh, yeah. They're just telling you that much. Um, and also, the the mom is the worst fucking character in any movie we've seen on Cage Fight so far. Just such an annoying, shitty character. I don't think she's that bad. She literally kidnaps Nick Cage's kid to try to save him, and then she gets fucking, like, owned. Well, he... <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, she's doing it to try and save them because she thinks that Nick Cage is just giving up completely, and she he's, he's not explaining himself. The caves are safe. The caves yeah. are safe. And we could talk yeah. about, you know, talk about earlier with uh, Fast Times being like another form of toxic masculinity, right? Nick Cage in general has a lot of toxic masculine fucking traits. Like oh, in, in yeah. 8 millimeter when he doesn't tell his wife what's going on, in this movie when he doesn't tell the mom what's going on, Nick mm-hmm. Cage's just entire career rage once again. Yeah. Nick Cage is full of toxic masculinity. Nick Cage knows firsthand that if you want to be a a real man in the relationship you don't communicate whatsoever <laughs> which is fair but no honestly that character really annoyed the fuck out of me and then like she yeah she basically got fucking murked by a car and i laughed when that scene happened she deserved to fuck that bitch you know that scene i am like i don't know is see i'm torn on that scene because like i felt like and i think i said this in the initial episode too uh, but that needed to happen where nicholas cage like rolls up on her and everything and sees like she's dead and says like the goodbye like you need some sort of catharsis and goodbye there just for the character because she was fairly major and for nicholas cage and all of that but the placement of it there really does kind of kill the momentum that was building in the final scene like it, it's yeah. there's a lot of tension there's a lot of fast moving cars and like the world's about to end but it kind of suddenly grinds to a halt for that and um i don't know i think it would have been better done a little bit yeah and and honestly later. i did like the the disaster scenes in this movie i thought they were shot relatively well and like they kind of showed like the kind of innate horror of like a situation like that. Oh, yeah. the, the flaming moose is the wallpaper on my computer. That's you know honestly. Slaps. Okay, so the, the the funniest part of that was when the guy's like running on fire, and Nick's like, "Hey, hey!" Oh, yeah. It's like, "Dude, you trying to talk to a guy on fire? What the fuck?" <laughs> He's trying and to get directions. I- I did watch, I watched like the special, the special effects reel on that where he's just, you know, running through a field with just smoke around him and, and no fires whatsoever. <laughs> I, I do like how he tries to, he tries to barely, barely save him. Like he kind of like sticks his hands in for like half a second, but as the fire that they added in there, he's like fully sticking his hands all the way in it, not reacting at all. He doesn't get burned cause he's Nicholas Cage, yeah. but it's very funny well, to watch. Well, he was, he was Johnny blaze in that scene. So the fire wouldn't hurt him. <laughs> Oh, of course. Um, he flamed on for that. And you know what also is really uh, funny is that the scene where the, the non-squad first shows up and Nick Cage like really knows who they are and he's got the baseball bat and he goes, hey, you want some of this? You want some of this? And he bangs the baseball bat against the tree. That's That had me yeah. rolling laughing. That, that is hilarious. pretty fucking funny. Like, uh, I, I don't know. He does not give off tough guy vibes. <laughs> I, my, my dad literally I you're did, talking about. My dad did that at one point, except it was a bear trying to eat out of a bird feeder and he ran out naked with a baseball bat trying to get <laughs> oh the bear God. away. That actually happened. That was a real story. That actually happened. Yeah, my, my dad was the bear. Sounds <laughs> Yeah. this movie reminded you of your dad. <laughs> yeah, Nick Cage really reminds me of my dad in this movie because uh, he also, in Nick Cage in this movie, his house is a neckbeard nest. <laughs> you see the part where it's like his, his, his fucking like computer, it's like a nice computer and then all is like paint falling off the fucking, it looks like something out of like one of those 4chan threads like, hey, look at my battle station and it looks like a, like a dungeon but there's a, com- a laptop in the middle of the fucking room. <laughs> Even the outside of the house looks really shitty. It looks yeah. really run down. It looks bad. 
but it's fucking Jack Station's primo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, right? So what is Nick Cage's job in this movie again? Like a college professor? professor. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a, an a, astrophysics professor. You know, so he yeah. actually went to school and got a master's degree in astrophysics just so he could <laughs> be that character in this movie. Uh, he actually, um, <laughs> Kirby absorbed uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, that's wouldn't how you, you wanna... train for this role. He actually got a degree <laughs> in uh, astrophysics. I mean, from, wouldn't you want to suck up Neil deGrasse Tyson all the way, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, those fucking vests turn me on, dude. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, More like Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> or Neil deGrasse Diamond. Uh, or my favorite, Neil Smokegrass High Sun. <laughs> yeah. Hell um, yeah. Hey. Spicoli uh, approves, brother. I don't know. Uh, some some of my thoughts on this movie that I'd written down. Um, one in one of the early scenes, the elementary school band is authentically out of tune and out of time with one another. Which, <laughs> you know, like good, like they really captured the feeling of yeah, listening I mean, to an elementary school. One hundred percent accurate. Um, like, <laughs> it's too bad this wasn't a Cameron Crowe movie because that would have been Pearl Jam. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have like, as a kid. <laughs> They have the uh, thematically relevant school lecture trope that kind of goes on that, you know, sometimes kind of annoys me in movies. And it does kind of annoy me here, too. I still don't understand why he talks about determinism, a philosophical topic in an astrophysics lecture. It doesn't really. Um, Because he has to set the tone for the fucking movie, bro. You're saying he's bad at his job? (laughs) Yeah, quite possibly. (laughs) Well, I mean, aspects Um, of his job. He just gets distracted super easily. Well, you know, know, he is the son of a pastor. (laughs) Thank God you said that, because I was going to lead to my next point. Those characters were fucking pointless. The pastor and the mom were completely pointless fucking characters. It added more of the kind of religious character to the movie that, you know, before when but I, but the movie should have had a religious character because it's a natural fucking disaster movie. There's yeah. no religion in it at all. See, it's, it's left behind with a little bit less Jesus juice. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I, I understand the aliens, but like, you know, they could be seen as maybe religious figures if you're not paying attention, but like, there's no actual religion in this fucking movie. Did you just say it was left behind with a little less Jesus juice? <laughs> I mean, yeah. how would that's you describe it? Hilarious. Oh, that's hilarious. All right. Um, I'm, I'm turning my mic off again. But that, um, I don't know. The first time I watched this movie, I definitely saw the religious imagery. And I, I just assumed it was like, you know, like symbolism type things. Because I, I mean, shit, like the entire canon of English literature is full of like biblical allusions and shit like that. So it's it's pretty typical par for the course shit. And it doesn't necessarily make a movie religious to have that. But this time around through, I, I, since I was able to watch the movie more closely and not take super in-depth notes, I did kind of notice a little more of the, the bit of religious character that goes on in some of this stuff. And um, there's, like, lines that go by, like, uh, everything in my scientific mind is telling me to have nothing more to do with this and your shit, too. You know, shit like that is kind of like, you know, they're like little digs. And then the fact that he makes up with his pastor father and says this is not the end and all that. So, like, Um, it didn't strike me that way the first time, but I got a little bit more of it here uh, this time around. And also Nick Cage's, like, college friend, uh, the guy was like, oh, Nick Cage, you know, fucking, there's there's obviously an event. He's the guy that works at the fucking... um, uh, what's the word? The observatory. The observatory. Yeah, yeah. That guy uh, was the actor who got his fucking like neck snapped off screen in Dark Knight Rises. Oh, oh remember yeah. that? He's like, so this this maneuver didn't get me things from Wayne. He's like, I feel you're scared right now. 
and then he like busted his neck off screen. That was that same actor, and I'm like, that guy looks really fucking. Also, the same burglar guy uh, from Nicolas Cage movie Trespass that we watched. Oh really? Oh shit! Oh man. He's also most famously Captain Krennic from Star Wars Rogue One. Of course, and he's the dude from Stephen King's The Outsider on HBO. So this guy's obviously rolling in the fucking dough as a character actor. Yeah, I mean, he's got kind of like a, a weird mouth, and it's kind of fucking cool. You got a borderline like, like lisp going on. I, I, I like do him. like him, yeah. yeah. I don't know his name, but like I've seen him in shit, and I'm like, no, he's, he's all right. He yeah, looks I like can, he fits. I can't remember his name, but he's usually pretty ben, solid. Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn. Hmm. Ben manhandles his son in the movie. He's, ah, he's, he's, he's part of the non-squad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, other things I have to say, like the the scenes of wreckage are pretty good. The CGI hasn't aged very well, Mm-mm, but no. um, I don't know. I, I thought the plane or the plane crash scene was pretty well done. I mean, it's like a two minute long take that I think mm-hmm. is yeah, it's one nice. shot. Yeah, it's one shot. But uh, I I have two things about the because the plane scene obviously is one of the standouts. Whenever I was looking up some extra stuff on YouTube, just it's very hard to find any extra content on this movie other than people just several people just uploading the same clip of the of the plane crash with, you know, different aspect ratios on it and <laughs> it looks terrible. Sounds right. But whenever I was watching the the special effects reel of it, I watched it and it's it's great. It it looks parts of it do look okay, but I, just the one thing that really caught me was he goes. So he obviously the whole part of the scene is he stops and he gets out and he go, he talks to the police officer. The police officer then looks behind him and he's he looks like he sees something. Nicholas Cage turns around, also looks at looks behind him, doesn't see anything, and then from the right. The complete opposite direction that the police officer was looking at, the plane comes barreling through. <laughs> Not, no one was looking that way at all. Yeah. So I don't know if this was like they play it, because especially just like you were saying, it was a, like a two-minute scene where it was like all one take. So it's like, do you think that that kind of thing would be a little bit more planned? But yeah. it obviously wasn't. Maybe the plane like pump faked him. <laughs> <laughs> came in from one side and then just swerved around. Zip, zip. Like, hey, listen, guys, I'm going to crash this plane. Watch watch me do a flip. <laughs> uh, you'll never guess where I land. You know, that, that that plane was actually piloted by that guy in Washington State who was, who was like a baggage handler, and he just stole a plane for like three hours. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, Sully. Yeah, yeah. yeah Sully, Sully. It was uh, Sully Sullenberger. <laughs> Sully Sullenberger, uh, baggage handler who stole a plane and killed a goose. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how that works, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I think this is a pretty, like, competently made movie. It's fairly well acted on the part of all the actors, aside from the child actors. But, I mean, child actors usually aren't very good. Honestly, the kid in the, the, the Nick Cage's son wasn't that bad. I was going to say, I think that they work well, like, individually. But at the same time, I, I really felt myself kind of, it was very hard to believe that they were father and son. They seemed like they were two people who happened to know each other, you know, like actors who weren't actually. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 I didn't feel any, any, like, connection between them at all. I agree with that. There was not a whole lot of. Not a platonic chemistry yeah. between them. They tried to do it with the, the sign language stuff, trying to get it between that, and, the, and it's, it's kind of, it just, it, it wasn't working for me. Well, especially with, like, the fact that, like, Nick Cage is, like, a fucking borderline neglectful parent, too. That didn't really help. Yeah. Like, he's, like, not a very good parent in this movie. He keeps, like, basically being like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll pick you up, and then just, like, he never does anything with this kid. He's like, hey, kid, eat your fucking dinner and go to bed. Don't watch movies, and if you feel bad about your mom, fuck you. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's, he's a loving dad. 
<laughs> and then don't at the end of the movie, the- when he's like, no, son, you can go. And it's like, where was this emotional buildup throughout the entire fucking movie before? Like, you treated this kid like a piece of shit. Like, you yeah. didn't give a fuck at all. Uh, but I mean, I do agree that this is a pretty competently made movie. And as far as like, it seems like a movie that I would like when I was a kid be channel flipping and see 10 minutes of it on USA. And uh, it's a mo- it's one of those movies where it's like stupid and on TV. I would actually watch it. Yeah, um, th- this is a movie that if I was like bored on a Saturday night and I was flipping through channels, I'd be like, yeah, fuck it. I'll watch it. Yeah, it's it's certainly not terrible. No. Yeah. Um and I do think it's relatively suspenseful up until the last act. Yeah. I, I do think it does a really good job with the suspense, actually. I think that's yeah. the strongest aspect of the whole movie. And then I think but the movie kind of falls apart in the third act, in my opinion. I, I think uh, the thing that they could have done to improve on this a little bit is played up, like, Cage's paranoia a bit more. And, you yeah. know, like, you kind of know from the start that something is, in fact, happening. But if they kind of played it up, like, you don't know if he's crazy or not, I think you could have, like, mined a little bit more Yeah, I, I think I think they really should have saved, oh, um, it's the apocalypse for, like, the last ten minutes of the yeah. fucking movie. They, like, really, they really blew the load way too soon. If, if there was a question in the audience's mind as to whether, like, something was actually happening or if he's just a mess. Madman with a whiteboard, uh, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Because, I mean, like, I get some random piece of paper with a bunch of numbers on it. Uh, I'd, I'd fucking use it to roll a cigarette, you know? Mm-hmm. Throw no, it away. <laughs> another funny thing about the paper was I loved that the the uh, the thing that, like, revealed to him that this was important is he put an alcohol, like, alcohol glass on it. Oh, yeah. And the, like, ring of whiskey or whatever highlighted that. Oh, yeah. was like, let me look at these numbers real quick. Like, that made me laugh really hard. I'm wow. Like, that is funny. And that's the thing that could have played up on it, too, because he's up all night drinking all the time. Yeah, he's, like, like he's stricken this. from his fucking and, wife um, dying or whatever. Yeah, like, just staring at numbers. <laughs> yeah, he's got, like, like weirdly hyper-religious parents that might help fuel his paranoia, too, or whatever. Like, and they really could have, like, blown up the paranoia a bit, and I think that would have been a lot better. Yeah, if they went full number 23 with it. And, Wait, uh, talk, talk about Joey Shoes. Talking about Fucking MJ? Joey Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, MJ, the number 23 is the uh, new uh, documentary. Um, but, um, is that the 23 no. accusers of Brian Singer? <laughs> you did say it leaves a ring on the note. This movie does have a visual motif of circles. Um, I'm not really sure what that's about, but... Yeah. It's, it's, they're all over the fucking Well, and Nick Cage was a really band. big fan of uh, A Perfect Circle, the band. So that's yeah, why they he, were in the movie a lot. Yeah, he really loves Maynard James Keenan. Uh, and if you think about it, if you really, really think about it, the sun is also a circle. Yeah. So Not a perfect circle, though. No. It's more he of an oblate spheroid. I'm sorry. I think he was really pissed off whenever he finally saw Arrival, and he was like, oh, my God, aliens and circles. We've already fucking done this before. <laughs> Everybody's praising Arrival, but nobody remembers knowing. <laughs> I also think some of the symbolism in the movie that they do is a little too on the nose occasionally. Um, but whatever. I mean, I, I've seen more on the nose and annoying symbolism in other places before. But. I really yeah. do think this movie didn't leave a whole lot up to imagination. Mm-hmm. I also think the whole scene with the kids running on the alien planet was kind of stupid and tacky. Yeah, oh. that, that I for, honestly <laughs> forgot about that for a second. Uh, and if I had remembered it, I probably thought I was just watching Westworld or something. <laughs> and and uh, spoilers ahead if you haven't seen the movie Snowpiercer. Um, <laughs> but the last, like, like last scene of this movie really reminds me of the very last scene of Snowpiercer. But at least that scene, like, there was a good amount of mystery to what ha- actually happened at the end of this. But at that movie, it's like, or in Knowing, it's just like, oh, bad CGI, alien tree, and the kids are running, and that's it. And it's yeah. just stupid. It's- 
It was really it's corny. Very much a hat on a hat. Yeah, and if it felt like honestly, not even joking, felt like something from a Creed music video. No, it really did. Like kids <laughs> running through a field towards a big tree. <laughs> I didn't think of it like that. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I'm, I think if that whole scene wasn't in there, I think I would have liked the movie a little bit more. If they would have just been like, "Oh, they go to alien planet, bye," and then the, the movie ends with the whole planet being fucking destroyed by a solar flare, I've been like, "Fuck, okay." But then they had to show the kids, and I'm like, "Oh, that's stupid." Or Fuck they this. like, here's I, my ending, uh, uh, inspired by The Mist. Um, so all the kids get on a spaceship <laughs> and they start flying away, and then the army's like. We're, we're gonna fucking blast the spaceship with a missile <laughs> and all the kids die. You know what also so. would have been a really interesting ending is that they showed the scene with the non-squad taking those two kids up and then the movie doesn't actually have the apocalypse so it's like a normal day and Nick Cage goes into New York City and then he's like talking with his like, oh, it's like, hey, I missed you guys. And then you just see a cop car pulling up right around them. It's like, oh, no, Nick Cage killed and buried those children. That I think it would have been an objectively way better ending. This was all a paranoid delusion. He had these kids buried in his fucking backyard the whole time. <laughs> that would have legit actually been a really good. F- I would have given this movie a nine out of ten if that was that actually been wild, happened. actually. I would fuck it. Yeah, absolutely. That's but good they, stuff. They could not do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought the ending, the last act was really kind of crap and I think kind of ruined the end, the movie for me because I really did like the mystery up until the revelation well, well, no pun intended the revelation yeah, for <laughs> sure I agree I I felt I honestly felt like although it's a, f- a fun scene I the kind of, I guess it's kind of the middle part of it is the whole subway scene of of him going to New York I felt like that was honestly just kind of filler to just add just pad out the movie because yeah. nothing really I think of note actually happens other than once again proving that the that the whole that the numbers are mean something and he's just there like he's just going just to see it basically because he's not he try of course he tries to like stop it by calling the fbi which just gets him in trouble basically which also he apparently because it, everything blows up he's able to evade the fbi without issue oh yeah but i also like to point just out there this- just, just to see it uh, yeah, he he did probably get on the FBI's hot list, and this was at the, the like the peak of the American surveillance state, so they would have been all over his ass. Oh yeah, like, I mean, he would not have gotten away like that. But. Especially if he parked his pickup truck in the middle of fucking Manhattan like he did. Oh, yeah. It would not have taken kindly to that. Um, but no, I definitely agree too. Like the the airplane scene, like that was a pure accident. Whereas the thing in New York, he did that on purpose, which I think kind of was kind of missing the whole point. Like, I think I think the idea of Nick Cage being a completely passive observer to all these tragedies would have made it a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it would have helped play up the the paranoia aspect a little bit. I think. Yeah, the whole thing in New York is strange because like he goes there and he sees a guy who he thinks looks suspicious. And the guy sees Nicolas Cage and immediately starts running for some reason. I don't know why, because Cage is not a cop, and all this dude did was, like, steal some DVDs from the store. He just a couple DVDs, like, who gives a fuck, dude? Holy shit, it's that astrophysics professor who catches people who stole DVDs. Which, by the way, you're in the subway. No one fucking cares you stole DVDs. Stop being a weird motherfucker about it. You already left the store. I want to say I did really I was really hoping for a cameo by the the guy who sold the DVDs at the very end whenever it shows all the heat wave blasting through and it shows people <laughs> running. I was really hoping that he dropped the DVDs one last time. And just <laughs> the he walks out of a I fucking Walgreens with a bunch of DVDs. He's like, oh, fuck now. <laughs> he just melts. 
He's dropping a copy of Volcano and Dante's Peak at the same time. <laughs> he's got a copy of Too Fast, Too Furious, and it gets melded onto his skin for a microsecond before he gets vaporized. <laughs> All right. I regret nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I, I would say based on my second impression of this movie, I don't like it as much as the first time I saw it. But I think part of the explanation for that is uh, the first time I saw it, we'd basically watched a shitload of terrible movies. And now I've, yeah. you know, now well, there's been a, a couple good movies. You're just like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I liked it better the first time also. But also, this is not a movie that needs to be rewatched annually, which That's certainly true. didn't help. <laughs> no, yeah, it that, really does not. <laughs> you've already once you once you know the ending. Like I think the I think the whole thing of watching it the first time, you're kind of like, okay, this is this could be like really cool. Like I could really see if this could end really super awesome. And so you kind of have like better higher hopes for it the first time. But I, I can imagine watching it the second time, you're like, I know where this shit's going. Yeah, yeah, the the suspense uh, doesn't really uh, pull its weight on on a rewatch, especially so soon after the first. Uh, and yeah, the ending is just not good. So yeah, sucks. I don't know. That's that's pretty much all I had to say about this. What about yeah. you guys, the knowing virgins? Well, Nathan, somewhat knowing virgin. I mean, I do know that I am a virgin. So. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm unaware if I'm a virgin. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of technicalities. There could be. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, I'm of an asterisk next to my like virginity. Like a virgin, knowing for the very first time. Uh, like a virgin, uh, back uh, laid out on the uh, cold bleachers of the of the dugout. <laughs> All right. Speaking of, uh, did did Dave have a summary from last time? Oh. Oh, this is before we had Dave summaries that were uh, contractually obligated. So. Yeah, Dave, did you pick up any notes on on what my, knowing might have been given uh, what we just talked about there? Nick Cage is a homo. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> is, uh, is that it? Pretty much. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I think that's, that's actually well. Let's think. He does stalk a woman, but he doesn't try to fuck her. So I mean, kind of, kind of sus. That's true. I, if I actually can, appreciate. I appreciate that he does not, that they don't try to force them together at all. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I will too. say that one last thing on my end is I'm glad they didn't force a romantic subplot in here at all. Yeah. But I mean, they did force this romantic subplot between the children because they're yeah. definitely going to have to fuck at some point. Yeah, they're going to have to They're literally the walk world. up at the end of the movie both holding rabbits like symbols of fertility. I think that is absolutely true. That's, I think that's absolutely the reason why they didn't want them to get together because they're like, well, if we get them together, then it's weird if the children get together. <laughs> are, 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 are we sure Cameron Crowe didn't write this <laughs> Uh, that's how you get all that weird uh, stepdad porn uh, when you're fucking Nicolas Cage and Rose Byrne get married and then their kids have they have to fuck to save the world. That I would jack off to that. Like, <laughs> come on, sis, we have to do it for society. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. I think I saw I think I saw Nick Cage give them a carrot right before they were about to get on the alien <laughs> ship. Like, we'll talk about like, rabbits and carrots. <laughs> Don't feed this to the bunny. <laughs> Learn to suck. <laughs> so, um, Mike, do you have uh, reviews for this one? I do. I actually was very excited when I found the reviews that I did for this <laughs> yeah. movie. Oh god, I'm so fucking excited knowing what some of these reviews Ooh. might entail. I'm excited. I got I got one from GL Tirebiter, which is a, maybe a <laughs> porn name. I don't know. Do they review tires? Like what? 
TY tire. Oh, um, well, they review British tires. <laughs> uh, and they say, for a movie that is somewhat depressing, I really like the way it was done. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a spoiler on his opinion. The, the world yeah, was his cage fight. <laughs> the world is coming to an end by fire, and uh, in parentheses, biblical. But Cage's <laughs> son and his girlfriend slash future spouse uh, will survive. The religious themes don't bother me in the slightest. In fact, it's part of the reason for the hope that Cage and his family have. I liked how they made the aliens appear to have wings on their backs, which is exactly how traditional pictures of angels are depicted in antiquity. Might not an alien looking like these aliens be perceived as an angel by someone born on Earth over 2,000 years ago? I've often wondered the same thing, and that something like this may have happened tens of thousands of years ago. This is the guy from Ancient Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> that the Earth may have been seeded with other humans who originated elsewhere in the universe. Oh, so it's like spermiogenesis type shit. Yes. Uh, and they end this review with one fun line. It's fun to dream. <laughs> hark! Uh, so, yeah. Did you say hark? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stacy Lud uh, Ludwig writes, well, it's Nicolas Cage, why not? Uh, <laughs> that, that should be the, the slogan for this podcast. <laughs> Probably Nicholas Cage, uh, Cage fight. Nicholas Cage, why not? I'm going to have to cut that as a sound bite. That's a, a good... Uh, <laughs> A good wrap-up for this podcast. That, that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> that should be, like, the last phrase when we finish the bracket. <laughs> Nick Cage, uh, why not? <laughs> well, she writes, uh, yep, here's another one. Uh, another good tagline for <laughs> the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorites, because it ties in some biblical stories, Ezekiel chapter 1 is very interesting and wondrous of what he wait. may have witnessed. Uh, I'm sorry, wait. Ezekiel chapter 1 is interesting, but have you ever heard of Ezekiel 25, 17? <laughs> <laughs> The <laughs> path of the righteous man. <laughs> uh, Jess is robbing us right now. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Robert M. writes, uh, not the usual great sci-fi. No ray guns or strange planets unless you consider Earth strange. But there is objectively a strange planet. The one the kids end up on. Uh, he also probably turned it off uh, in the last 45. So. <laughs> Uh, it's like that person who watched the only five minutes of Outcast. Uh, and he also says, I bought it a, a couple extra copies after viewing the first time to give to friends. <laughs> Doubt you will be disappointed. Uh, so you, friend. Um, among all the people, because uh, every movie has a million reviews that are like, I didn't buy this. I don't remember buying this. <laughs> so this just adds to the amount of people who own this movie who have never meant to buy this movie. Um, but what did they write negative reviews? Uh, they probably just threw it in the trash or like re-gifted it to their kids or something. I mean, I found a copy of Mega Media Exchange for three bucks, so maybe it was one of those copies. That very well might be. Um, but this is actually, uh, this review frightened me a little bit. Um, it gets a little, this, this kind of gets serious. Um, mm. so I don't want to scare anybody, but, uh, Matt's uh -oh. O. Rowing, uh, wrote a review called Inaccurate View of Aliens. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, and he says, uh, Nicolas Cage does a great job. However, the movie depicts the aliens as friendly and helpful and godlike. The truth is that the aliens are trying to steal the light from the light bearers, including the genetic code that holds the light. 
That's why you have all the mutilations and abductions around the globe. They want to be like God, but they can't be like God, since the aliens have no light of their own. It's a plot of the Fallen Ones and the Watchers to impose an image of friendly <laughs> aliens. God is the giver of all life. Mechanization man and aliens are not the salvation for mankind. Wait, well, listen, I'm, I'm okay, say, my third I, I eye no is opened, first of all. Uh, but what cult is this person a part of? Because I need to know more about uh, it. This person is for sure a starseed. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what, listen, listen, I don't know why you guys are having a problem with this. That sounds perfectly okay to me. Like, there's nothing up, weird about that shit at all. Look up Unicol Unicron on TikTok and everything will make oh sense. Oh my god, wait, I did see some clips of somebody talking about her. Uh, yeah, she basically uh, is a cult leader um, and I can't really explain what her deal is. Um, because it's pretty incoherent, but I do suggest going down a TikTok hole because uh, <laughs> she might have wrote this review. Uh, Listen, knowing the demographics of TikTok, I don't want to go down anyone's holes on there. I'm going to end up on a list or write, eventually writing the script for Fast Times at Richmond too. <laughs> That's how it starts. I got a review from Paul R. Yarnold, uh, PhD. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, shit. Paul R. Yarnold, PhD. What university oh, shit. is he? At? Yeah, Let me what? Look this up. Uh, and he writes a review call that's that's titled "Fud Satanic." Oh. Um, it says defiles the truth found in the Old and New Testaments, created to spread fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Clearly, the work of the beast produced in hell's capital on earth. <laughs> Did you find his... Well, I found Paul R. Yarnold, PhD, who is CEO of Optimal Data Analysis, a verified email at planetyarnold.com. Uh, I don't think that's the same person. Yeah, it might not be. It might not be, but also that person uh, might think that this is the work of the beast. I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, his papers are all about statistics. Statistically speaking, <laughs> the devil made this. Do those statistics end up having a lot of sixes in the percentage? <laughs> Any of those papers about sun flares? Uh, and I have one last review from Jason Bennett, um, who writes, uh, Stupid plot, intentional confusion to the Bible. If the goal was to go against what the Bible teaches and to distort the truth and God's character and who God is, then this movie... Attempted to do exactly that, but did it horribly. LOL, waste of time. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah. I don't have any issues with that review at all. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best one. Um, so basically, um, go to church after seeing this one. Or you might be damned for all eternity. <laughs> well, shit. I'm going to be damned for all of eternity then. I'm going to be damned sexy for all eternity. Hey. Got him. I think that wraps up everything we have to say about knowing again for its second time around. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Sure, we'll never have to talk about it again because Fast Times was so good, but I guess we'll find out in yeah. a second. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, we... uh, Dave, do you want to do the countdown? Three. No. <laughs> oh, oh, this motherfucker so faked us out. Oh, Damn. God. I was not expecting that. That was a good fake out. a bigger out. fake out than the fucking I airplane I bet at crash. some other point he said two, and he said one. We can clip it together. And we can clip it together, and Mark. I can play the soundbite. <laughs> but, um, okay, so everyone... All right, three, three two, two, one, one. no. no.
Oh. Do we get all? We get all of knowings and yeah. one Zandali. Yeah, we got one's... four votes for knowing, one vote for Zandali. <laughs> so Zandali wins, of, of course. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Well, actually, if we want to preserve the future for our children, we uh, should probably pick Deadfall. Uh, oh yeah. But... I think it's a little bit too late for that. I think we should just let the apocalypse happen. <laughs> clearly, the, clearly wow. we're in the worst fucking timeline right now. Wow. Wow. I mean, if he could stop it, why not? But no, honestly, yeah. uh, I was honestly really expecting uh, Fast Times to win just because of, like, the positive attention this movie's gotten historically. But no, that movie fucking sucked shit. I hated it. Yeah. No, it wasn't a Cage movie. Kind of like... Yeah, it wasn't a Cage movie. Like, knowing... Nick Cage is the main fucking character, and he's a, in a significant chunk of it. I mean, he's not... And it's he's even, even in less of this than he was not Snowden, where... Yeah, also not a Cage movie. It It yeah. is. That one is, he's a named I, character, he's on the call sheet, and he's got screen time. He's also he got the lines. best moment in the fucking movie. It's true. I, I don't think that if Nicolas Cage had, if Nicolas Cage had a bigger role in Fast Times, I still don't think that he could have saved the movie and made it better. No, than, that is true. Especially Unless, between knowing, I, I don't think so. Yeah, maybe he played a character that, like, ran into the classroom and made all the girls put their clothes back on. Or something. <laughs> yeah, if Nick Cage right, was the character he, who was, like, the cop... But the good kind of cop was like, oh, I see statutory rape happening. Uh, no, fuck you. You're, you're going to jail now. Mm. So, yeah, if, if Nick Cage was the character who stopped all the rape and, like, sexual, like, borderline abuse in this movie, I'd be like, no, okay, this is a good movie then. It's cool shit. He's the, he's the anti-rape cop. Yeah, if he, like, shoots some people in the head or something. That'd yeah, be funny. If, if, Nick, if Nick Cage was the character who uh, uh, shot that 26-year-old statutory rapist in the head, I'd be like, no, this movie's cool shit. Yeah. Just ends up in a police brutality compilation video. <laughs> and, uh... Knowing Nick Cage is a homo. <laughs> well, if we've determined anything today, it's that. Yeah, for sure. Not and a question. I, I will say, knowing it isn't like a great movie, it isn't even like a particularly good movie or anything like that, but it isn't really a bad movie. It's kind of just... It's a like, very watchable movie. Yeah, yeah, it's watchable. And, you know, honestly, it's saving grace having won twice in the bracket thus far is that it's gone against two movies that we really hate. You know, I think this is the um, only movie that's won two rounds in the bracket so far, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So shit, knowing might be the best movie Damn. we've seen on Cage Fight by accident. Undefeated champion of the world. Of Cage Fight so far, it's literally the undefeated champion so far. Knowing. Uh, in the next round, it's going to go against the winner of... The next episode's uh, bracket, which are Kick-Ass and Zandali returning. Oh. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch Kick Zandali. I'm so excited to watch Zandali. Dave's vote is going to be relevant again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm so excited to see Judge Reinhold in a second episode. Yeah, two in a row. For the, the, not, not two in a row for fucking yeah. Judge Reinhold. He's coming for Peter Stormare's yeah, record. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but Peter Stormare's, what, th- three in a row, right? Three in a row, I think. Three Pete. It's Peter Stormare. Yeah. Three Pete Pete. Three, three, three great accents in a row. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, Nathan, thanks for uh, chatting with us. Uh, and thanks for taking the time to watch these two okay movies. Uh, One okay they, I, movie. I, I, I had a lot of fun both watching the movie and being on this podcast. I really appreciate you guys having me. Awesome. It was great having you. Is there anything you want to plug on the show? No, I, I you could follow me, I guess, on Twitter, but I, I don't post that much. I mostly retweet stuff about Disney parks, which if you're only if you're interested in that, would you actually be interested in following that? I'm at Nathan all Nathan. Oh, with yes. a O-L. I love Jenny Nicholson and half of what I follow her for is her damn Disney park. content. So I'll watch Jenny it. Nicholson Absolutely. rules. Mm hmm. 
and uh, you know what? Frickin' uh, Nathan, we've talked about this before. We started a petition um, to get some G-Force representation into the parks. <laughs> There's no G-Force rides. There's not even a fucking plush that you can get in one of the stores. Uh, although the uh, record company uh, at the Rock and Roller Coaster is called G-Force Records. <laughs> oh, that's, That's gotta be a reference. That is the the only G Force reference that is not even a G Force reference <laughs> in the Disney parks that I'm aware of. It, it definitely is surprising though, because I, I did look it up and Nicolas Cage does love going to Disneyland, as far as I can tell. I've seen lots of video shaky videos of him <laughs> with his with his beautiful son, Weston Cage Coppola. Oh shit. He's, yeah, I, this I sounds, actually did, this sounds really odd. I did find a I did find a photo of him on Space Mountain. What? That what that's very good. I, I I can share that with you guys. Yes, oh, wow. please do. We will tweet that out because Hell yes. uh oh god, it's so good. Okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna tweet that because that is uh that is one of the best things I've ever seen. Oh god, I love uh, it. Nicholas Cage on Space Mountain. Uh, and, and turn that around one more time because I think uh, that that looks like fucking a little bit like uh, like a really scraggly um, Billy Mays. <laughs> yeah, Billy Mays. It does, <laughs> holy shit! It does look like Billy Mays. But I, I mean, think this was a this was a recent photo. So unless unless Billy Mays has resurrected himself, I'll give proper credit. This was from at Disney Park Celeb, which I guess only tweets out stuff about celebrities in at Disney parks and it says confirmed Nicholas Cage is at Disneyland. This was yeah. on in January 17th of 2019. Okay. Oh, wow. Cause I was going to okay. say, I, I have not been on space mountain in Disneyland, but I have been on space mountain in Disney world and it is rickety as fuck. So I would probably be making that face too. <laughs> um, <laughs> the face makes you look like Billy Mays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a face that says I need to clean up after myself. But, uh, but no, honestly, uh, it was a great episode. Yeah, yeah, great episode. Thank you so much, Nathan. Uh, I'll give you a follow there. And um, I won't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody, check out Kickass and Zandali for next week. But that's all we got for you. Yeah. Bye. 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 Taylor signing off. Bye. This has been a solid work production. Solid work. Solid work. Uh, solid work. Hey, solid, solid work. work.